isn't it? Good evening. I'll start the meeting by advising there is no fire alarm test this evening. So in the event the alarm sounds, please vacate the building by the nearest fire exit and congregate in the car park at the east end of the building, the one on the left as you exit by the main doors. Be grateful if you could turn off mobiles off or to silent. Uh, I've been asked to make a statement regarding member attendance. Members are asked to note there's been a problem recording attendance at meetings in the current municipal year. A switch from one software provider to another meant that for a period attendance by members at meetings between May and September last year was not shown on the website. This has now been rectified, but if anyone thinks there are still inaccuracies, would they please draw them to the attention of democratic services? Each member will be given the opportunity to check their attendance record before the annual summary for 2017-18 is published. I have already publicised the fact that I intend, in the level, view of the level of public interest, to take item 25 on the agenda immediately after item 1. We now turn to public speaking. The usual time allocated for public speaking is 15 minutes in total, a maximum of three minutes per speaker being allowed. However, in view of the level of public interest, I intend to invite everyone who has been registered to speak. Whilst this will extend the public speaking time beyond 15 minutes specified in the Council's constitution, I'm exercising my discretion to permit all those registers to speak. I wish to make clear that this is an exceptional decision relevant to the individual circumstances of this meeting. I've been a member of this Council for not as long as some, but nearly 16 years now, and the situation is, in that time, unprecedented. So that's why we're doing that, and should not be treating, uh, treated as setting a precedent. I do ask everyone to be as brief as possible, and not to repeat points made by previous speakers, as we do have a very busy agenda. We're setting a budget tonight. I will be strictly in association with the Chief Executive um, about the three-minute limit. So the following people have been registered to speak, and we're taking them in order as when they registered. So I'd like to call upon, first of all, Susan Perry to come and address us, please. Thank you. Uh, with reference to tonight's motion to replace the Chairman of the Standards Committee, I assume the councillors have at least read the transcripts if not actually listened to the two national BBC radio interviews, and I very much hope they've also familiarised themselves with the subsequent local press coverage. It's important that all parties know that this issue is not personal nor politically motivated. 
the initial peaceful protest by a group of concerned residents was prompted by the chair of the standard committee's lack of competence, her condoning of poor standards of behaviour and her visible ignorance of current legislation. There's so much content to cover that I and the following speakers all here as tax-paying Uttlesford residents have shared our speeches with each other. We did this at Mr Snow's suggestion to avoid repeating our points and to best hold your attention and present our case clearly. At the heart of our argument is the very reasonable expectation to see the best possible standards adhered to by those who serve on our council. And there is no doubt that any member or chair of the Standards Committee should be held to account if they are clearly contravening the very standards they are supposed to promote and enforce. The key issue is Councillor Knight's lack of knowledge of the Equality Act 2010. As the subsequent speakers will elaborate, she has shown herself ignorant of the most basic laws around sexual harassment, bringing into question her competence. On investigation, we find there is no stated level of competence expected of members of the Standards Committee or its chair, which is astonishing given that the Standards Committee is responsible for training and advising councillors on the Council's own Code of Conduct, which features the Equality Act. However, this does not exonerate the councillor from actually being competent. The simple fact is that if the chair or any member of the Standards Committee doesn't know the most basic tenets of the Equality Act 2010, it not only renders them unable to train or advise councillors as the Council's constitution states they are required to do, but it's potentially highly prejudicial against any complaints around sexual harassment being made by members of the public. These facts suggest the Council's removal is not open to an opinion-based vote. It is common sense that if any councillor is unable to carry out their committee's duties with a basic level of competence, he or she should be removed from that committee. The Sexual Equalities Act 2010 is not about political correctness. It is about allowing all of us, whatever our gender, race or religion, to live and work in an unthreatening environment. In conclusion, we call on all of our councillors to hold to those standards and move with the times to give us a truly modern council that represents us all. We call upon Sophie Delacca. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I truly find it incredulous that in 2018 we have to sit here and defend the rights of women not to be groped, but it appears we do. In her interview, Councillor Knight stated of the groping, it's not a crime, for goodness sake it's not a crime. It is a crime, according to the Sexual Offences Act 2003, non-consensual touching of another person if sexual in nature is a crime. In a rational world, Councillor Knight would have realised after the interview that she had made a mistake by not reading up on the law and apologised. A degree of self-awareness would have led her to question her motivation and, most importantly, her judgement, because it has to be said that her judgement was found to be lacking here. Councillor Knight chose to call a national radio station and discredit, in the main, disempowered women by effectively telling them to put up and shut up. No one denies that in the past Councillor Knight has promoted the rights of women as long as they aren't of childbearing age and want a job, but she simply has not kept up to date with legislation 
and very importantly has failed to understand the moral climate we live in where such treatment of women is not and should not be tolerated. And again, all this would be fine, albeit morally reprehensible, if she didn't hold public office and position herself as upholding standards across the district. Councillor Knight also took issue with Madison Marriage, the journalist who exposed the goings-on, calling her ambitious. Thank goodness for ambitious journalists who have the courage to expose such stories. Without the likes of Bob Woodward and Nellie Bly, we would still be thinking that Richard Nixon was a great president and menopausal women should be locked up for life in the asylum. We have been portrayed as po-faced and told to stay at home with our children. Yesterday, an unpleasant anonymous letter accused us of starting a new wave of fascism and Councillor Knight has described us as trying to start a new holocaust. I am a Jewish mother. To hear this from someone because I am exercising my democratic right is disgusting and deeply offensive. Let's be clear here. This is not fascism. This is us using democracy to right a wrong. Only this morning we have been informed that Jodie Rowlandson, the admin of the Yummy Mummy site, has had to file a report to the police, police as a result of incidents of aggression to her property. This has to stop. The Yummy Mummy site is simply a form of media where very many issues are debated. It is not a hotbed, hotbed of incendiary activity as some would believe. There have been many letters to the press, mostly anonymous, that this issue has been blown out of proportion, and so it has because it's such a simple issue at heart. Councillor Knight said some very silly things, which of course she has every right to say. Freedom of speech is a central tenet of a civilised society. We are grown-ups. We know that when we have rights, we also have responsibilities, and with responsibilities come accountability. And that is why we have chosen to speak tonight, because we wish Councillor Knight to be held accountable for her very ill-chosen words. Move on to... Katie Mendes Day and Martin Day. Thank you. I'm speaking here not just as a local resident, but as a father of three daughters and a restaurant owner. We had an incident recently where a waitress bent down to pick up some dropped cutlery and was met with the comment, while you're down there. Our manager spoke to the table to tell them that that behaviour was unacceptable, and she was replied to with, he was only having a laugh. That waitress was 16 and still at school. That young lady should not have to go through life believing that kind of behaviour is justifiable and excusable. It may seem like a trivial encounter, but normalising behaviour like this simply perpetuates the misogyny, harassment and gender violence that the sexualisation of women breeds. The hospitality industry is low paid with long and unsociable hours. The people who work in the industry aren't privileged enough to pick and choose which jobs they take. They have bills to pay like all of us. And they have a right to be able to go to work without being threatened with sexual harassment. To rationalise such behaviour because large sums of money are being donated is morally wrong. We host many all-male charities such as the Rotary, Lions and 41 Clubs who raise a lot of money without feeling they are entitled to a quick grope. As a parent, I have a social and moral responsibility to make sure my girls do not accept objectification of women. And as a business owner, I am required to understand the law so my employees have a safe environment to work in. As public officers, our councillors should share the same responsibilities to the communities they serve. With her comments, Councillor Knight perpetuates the view that women should put up and shut up. 
especially when it comes to charitable activities where it seems some men feel morally vindicated by their wallet to behave towards females however they please. She minimised the attendees' behaviour by claiming many of the hostesses had previously worked there and returned knowing the nature of the event. I hope we're working towards a society in which no female bases any self-worth on the amount of lecherous objectification they receive and thus perceive as complimentary or fun, or find themselves in a position where they feel obliged, coerced, or in such a dire financial situation that they have no choice but to accept what many would recognise to be unacceptable working conditions. That they knew what they were signing up for excuse simply detracts from the issue, diverts attention from the perpetrators and diminishes complex issues surrounding the feelings that some women have about their value, attitudes towards misogynistic behaviour and reasons why they feel unable to turn down work or speak out. We are in the midst of a watershed moment. People are beginning to speak out about female inequality, sexual harassment and violence. From the bum slap to the rape and everything in between, every experience matters in the wider context of how women are still viewed and should be condemned by men and women alike if we are to eliminate misogyny and sexual violence. I believe Councillor Knight cannot chair a committee that is responsible for high standards of ethical conduct within the Council. Does she really think that anyone would feel comfortable approaching her to report harassment or misconduct when she has shown such disdain towards women? Furthermore, her inadequate knowledge and dismissive attitude of the law around sexual Can harassment your remarks, makes her a poor chair of any committee which might need to address this topic. Thank you. Janina Thickers. <coughs> the Equality Act 2010 states... A person, A, harasses another, B, if A engages in unwanted conduct related to a relevant protected characteristic and the conduct has the effect of violating B's dignity or creating an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating or offensive environment for B. Madison Marriage said, I got first-hand experience of being groped on the nights, which wasn't very pleasant. It felt like a deeply uncomfortable environment. I felt very upset by the end of it, to put it that way. I didn't really process that until two days later when discussing it with my family and, uh, and crying, if I'm honest. Councillor Tina Knight said, It's not a crime. For goodness sakes, it's not a crime. I think... We can all see that it absolutely is a crime. A rapist is not born overnight. Someone does not simply wake in the morning and decide out of nowhere to commit serious sexual assault. It quite frequently is someone who is consistently allowed to get away with these lesser acts of assault, creating the air of acceptability in their minds. But actually, if they do commit rape, it's what they're entitled to. Because no one has told them no before. If Councillor Knight really has been fighting the mistreatment and abuse of women all my life, Warden Local, 31st of January 2018, should this not be first and foremost in her mind? Councillor Knight's response of, they could have walked away at any stage of the evening, and most women would deal with it, is exactly the response victims of sexual assault fear they will get. 
Comments like, well, I think it's hilarious, really. And it's just mass hysteria are part of the reason why only 15% of those who experience sexual violence choose to report that to the police. That's taken from Rape Crisis 2018. Far from empowering women in the Uttlesford district, she's fueling the fire of rape culture, not only locally, but now on a national level, through the BBC, twice. This is a wholly unacceptable thing for any member of the district council to do, let alone chair of the standards committee. Call upon Sue Lawson. Thank you. Much of the defence of Councillor Knight's factually incorrect comments about sexual harassment and assault is that they were spoken in her private life, so did not breach the Council's code of conduct. Now, I would defend anyone's right to speak freely in their private capacity, but in the modern world, as the recent report by the Independent Committee on Standards in Public Life highlights, the increasing celebrity culture threatens to blur the distinction between the personal lives and professional responsibilities of those in public life. So what can reasonably amount to a view shared in one's personal capacity if one is a very well-known public official? It certainly means within one's home circle or with friends, but I would suggest it's an unreasonable interpretation to include choosing to do two controversial live interviews on national radio on a subject which is a political hot potato, not to mention making extensive contributions on this to the local press. I therefore request that the Governance Committee is asked to review the terminology applied in the Code of Conduct to clarify the use of the words private lives and their reasonable definition. Councillor Knight chose to speak on a radio news programme with approximately 7 million listeners and described the President's Club report as hilarious, incorrectly stating that groping was not a crime. This should not only be embarrassing to the Council but also contradicts her own party leader and our Prime Minister who found the conduct at the event to be appalling. <coughs> Councillor Knight's continued comments in the media show a lack of understanding of relevant legislation as well as a significant lack of judgment. It's essential that our representatives behave professionally and do not make misleading statements about what amounts to a criminal act, make rude and patronising comments about people, referring to people as airheads, and blame the victims of intimidating and criminal behaviour. If we tolerate this, what next? Her statements could easily discourage complainants from making similar types of complaints to the Standards Committee. I submit that the behaviour causes her to be unsuitable to be on the Standards Committee at all, and so I would ask that the motion is amended to remove Councillor Knight as a member of the committee. In addition, as the Chair is expected to exhibit skills that ensure all committee members have their say, I would submit that the Councillor has also demonstrated a lack of interest in the views of anyone in disagreement with her, be they on a radio show, in social media or within her own council. 
a style which is incompatible with being an effective chair of any committee. This is not party political, it is not political correctness gone mad, and it is not men against women. It is not even about Ms Knight's position as a councillor, which will continue. If you could draw your remarks to a conclusion, please. I will. It is about her being a chair of an important committee for which I believe she has shown herself to be unfit. I hope it will also be about her continued membership of that committee with an amendment to the motion before you. Thank you. Call Justin Rhodes. I'm not happy with an event of that type taking place. I was appalled by the reports that I read. What worries me is that it's not just about this event, it's about what it says about a wider issue in society, about attitudes to women. Those are not my words. That was part of Theresa May's response to the FT's report from the President's Club. Others may see this as no worse than anything that you might see at a rugby club or perhaps even a ladies' night, a bit of harmless fun. No one here perhaps thinks a wandering hand equates to rape, but I believe wandering hands chip away at the balance of power between men and women. In the light of events in many sectors of our society, politics, entertainment, the charity sector, we have an opportunity to redress that balance. It's a hundred years since some women got the vote. We are getting there slowly. And we need to continue the debate on how we get there, and for that I would defend Tina Knight's right to speak freely. She chose to go on the most listened to news programme in the UK and describe in contrast to Theresa May, the reporter Solaris. Yes, I would defend her right to do so. We are all navigating our way through the Me Too era. It's vital we listen to all perspectives. But I think that it shows a lack of judgment, especially for someone who chairs a committee that assesses the standards to which councillors must be held. It has been said Tina Knight initially spoke as a businesswoman and not a councillor. However, in the world of social media, such distinctions, for better or worse, are very blurred. When I make a public statement via my personal platforms, to many, mess, many millions less than Tina Knight, I consider how it reflects on me as the employee of the Imperial War Museum, someone who regularly works in schools, lives in Uttlesford, and as a father. In the aftermath of the radio show, Tina Knight was quoted in the local press comparing the response from constituents to a new holocaust. That statement, made as a councillor again, I believe shows a great lack of judgment. If it is deemed appropriate to compare with the holocaust, may I draw another comparison? Would it be hilarious if all the people who worked at the President's Club that night were Jewish or black or disabled? It's 2018. And to again quote Theresa May, I thought that sort of approach to women, that objectification of women, was something we were leaving behind. If we are to leave it behind, we need our local representatives to lead the way, taking seriously the evidence that the imbalance of power still proliferates across many parts of our society. Councillors, take out your moral compasses and lead the way. Sarah Ellis. Thank you for giving me the time to speak at this meeting. I strongly acknowledge the Council's commitment to listen to the important points myself and other people are making. Thank you. 
Councillor Knight shows a clear lack of knowledge of the Equality Act 2010 and the Sexual Offences Act 2003, showing herself ignorant of the most basic laws around the crime of sexual assault, bringing into question her competence. I work principally as an educator with young men and young women. I am at the cutting edge of dealing with the issues that are fed to these young people daily, from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep. And I see the damaging results of those messages that support discrimination. Let's put a group of teenagers in a room with that interview on. What is the message that we're leaving with them? A very clear one, and one we should be deeply ashamed of. The message that came out of that interview clearly supports inequality and a difference of tolerance in behaviour between men and women. I'm not happy for our young women to understand their role is to accept unlawful behaviour from anyone. I want them to see equality and their right to do a job without being grabbed or groped without consent, which is sexual assault. This applies to any job, be it highly paid or not highly paid. Councillor Knight's choice of comments in the interview and continued comments in the media show a lack of knowledge and understanding of the law as well as a significant lack of judgment. Quoting it's her opinion holds no power when she was clearly condoning an unlawful act. I'm proud to be part of a country that's implemented equality laws and I want to ensure I live in a community that has policy, infrastructure and a commitment in place to also uphold and reflect this. But equality isn't just about policy. It's about everyday actions, behaviours and protection that cherishes and upholds our rights. It is our responsibility as educators, bosses, community leaders, representatives and in fact members of the public to ensure we are not discriminating and to enable equality by modelling great behaviour. A responsibility that Councillor Knight has spectacularly failed at. I want to be proud to be part of a community that upholds equality as a necessary win in creating a successful, striving, powerful and wonderful community that we can all be proud of. Councillor Knight's comments do not reflect that and therefore damage myself and the Council's reputation. How about Uttlesford being the pioneers that other communities look up to and follow our lead on implementing equality that we all deserve? If Councillor Knight remains in post, herself and any councillor who votes against this motion of no confidence is complicit in supporting her outdated and illegal interpretation of the Equality and Sexual Offences Act. Thank you for listening. Doug Perry. Good evening, Chairman. Good evening, Councillors, and thank you for allowing me to speak to you this evening. I want to deal with facts and not fiction. I want to deal with the fact of democracy and the right to freedom of speech, especially in this chamber. Both myself and Tina were part of a gang of five who stood up for what was right and put people over politics in this very chamber over many years. We were all verbally attacked by officers in our own party as a result. This had particular reference, for instance, to the local plan, which we stated time and time again it would fail. History has dictated the decision taken by the inspector and is a matter of fact. The situation in regard to Tina has been handled badly. The leader seems to have acted as judge 
jury and executioner. We also have councillors still in post who were dealt with for incorrect expenses claims and even council tax fraud. They've never been asked to resign or even move from post. Clear and factual double standards. Getting back to the Tina situation and the radio interviews, she had at no time stated that she was a councillor. She's been attacked by the media, email, Facebook and even at a school assembly which has turned this matter into a witch hunt and become very political. Tina has clear redress that she can take through the courts if she wishes under the Human Rights Act, Article 10, the right of freedom of speech, especially so as she has suffered significant harm to her health, her reputation, as well as being very personal to her on the attacks. The papers before you at one time did talk about openness and transparency. This is a farce. Those papers have been further corrupted by the use of words like harassment, which is unfounded and has no place here. It shows a biased approach to give credibility to the motion. Harassment cannot be supported as it is clearly in law a course of conduct that has no substance here. This has been further corrupted by email sent to councillors detailing who the nominee to replace Tina is to be. Clear predetermination. This is a clear case of this council using this situation to get rid of somebody who has a right to say no. The leader by his actions has turned this into a personal and political issue. In conclusion, Tina should be supported and not persecuted by this council or others. This whole episode has become political and reeks of double standards. I, at one time, was a rape counsellor and a sexual offences officer dealing with male, female and children rapes over many, many years. So I hear what people are saying and I'm astonished. It's facts we deal with. Thank you for listening. I speak as Doug Perry, as a resident of Saffron Warden and not as a town councillor and I am practising my legal right to freedom of expression and speech, as Thank Tina you. did. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Call upon uh, Amelie Gerard. Sorry if I may pronounce your name incorrectly. Hello. My name is Amelie. I'm 15 and I've recently been elected as a UDC councillor for the Youth Council. I've heard and read some of the positive things that people have said about Councillor Knight, and I'm delighted that she is considered to be a good parish and district councillor. However, carrying out duties as a councillor is not what we're talking about. The motion is only to consider her position on the Standards Committee. As representatives of the youth coming up through the council, we look to our council elders to set an example in how they behave and how they represent themselves in both their public and private lives. I would hope that each and every councillor here will be someone that I and my fellow youth councillors can look up to so we can all play our part in making our council one that the public can respect and have confidence in. Surely part of this has to mean condemning people who behave badly not saying it's fine because they were drunk and raising money for charity. As I said, I'm 15. I'm on the threshold of adult world. <coughs> Councillor Knight, with the greatest of respect, however things may once have been, I need you to know that teenagers today have enough to worry about, male or female. 
For example, lots of us have Saturday jobs, often waitressing. Are we now going to have to try to figure out whether or not it's okay to be groped because the customer was drunk? Or whether we are to blame because we've put ourselves in a situation where there are drunk people? Or whether we'll be taken seriously when we say we're not comfortable if anyone does something to us that's inappropriate? And if, heaven forbid, something inappropriate should happen that involved a member or officer of UDC, and I came to the Standards Committee to lodge a complaint, would you tell me that I should have known what I was getting myself into? That my skirt was too short? That it was only a pat on the bum? The reason I'm so passionate about this issue is because I'd feel unembarrassed and ashamed coming to you. I'd feel belittled by you because it's not really sexual harassment, just men being men. Well, from where I and the rest of my generation are standing, it's not just men being men. It's not acceptable. It's not okay, and it's certainly not my fault. The Standards Committee needs to uphold the highest standards, not the minimum. I know that many of you have children who are teenagers and young adults, so please think about them when you vote on this motion. Thank you. Thank you. Call upon Angela Foster. Good evening. I have known Councillor Knight for about two years, so all when all this came to light, I decided to find out a bit more about it all and what was being said. So I listened to the interviews three or four times. I read the news reports, I reread them, and I came to the conclusion after very carefully listening that those at UDC who have demanded her resignation and other organisations should be ashamed of themselves for what she has had to go through. UDC affirms its beliefs that everyone has the right to be treated with dignity and respect in the workplace or beyond, everyone including Councillor Knight, I presume. UDC state the definition of harassment as creating a hostile, intimidating, humiliating and defensive environment for a person and violating their dignity, much the same really that they have hurled at Councillor Knight. She certainly did not condone the behaviour of certain individuals at the dinner, as anyone who has listened properly to the full interview will realise. As with any article, it can certainly be interpreted in different ways by individuals, and certain ones have chosen in groups or individually to misinterpret to their advantage. The Standards Committee should be looking at cases of harassment towards Councillor Knight, not the other way round, rather than considering removing, removing her, the people that should be removed are those on this witch hunt, and a witch hunt this is. She did not say it was hilarious that women were molested on the evening of the event. What she did say was that it was hilarious the way the reporter went about the investigation. She has had the courage to publicly voice what a lot of people have been thinking. This has been misinterpreted on so many levels, I cannot believe what I have been hearing this evening. Years and years of hard work supporting women and their causes could be destroyed by a few who are determined to make her resign. One of many articles, one from the Computer Business Review, states 
If all employers were as sympathetic to female employees as Miss Knight is, then the government would have little to fear in relaxing the law relating to maternity rights. She has long championed the rights of women. She should be congratulated for her dedication and commitment. Shame on those who have harassed her for having the courage to speak and to voice her opinions. So much for freedom of speech. Thank you. Call upon Anthony Robertson. Mr Chairman, fellow councillors, councillors, I'm Anthony Robertson, a great-grandfather, a grandfather of four young girls and the father of two. I regard myself as a dutiful daddy. So, yummy mummies, you are not the only one who cares about sexual exploitation of ladies, females, women. I was also a senior police officer in London, a Churchill Fellow, and a trained volunteer with Essex Victim Support, which supports domestic violence victims and hate crime victims. My new driving licence with the Union Jack symbolises, for me, freedom of speech, the ability to challenge, within the law, reports and other people's views, as Tina Knight has done. The venue of that charity event, the Dorchester Hotel, is one of the most secure and professionally guarded hotels in London. The idea that criminal offences like sexual assault, exposure and harassment were openly committed there is absurd. Although reports of hostesses at the event may have offended some people's morality and sensibility, no criminality has emerged from the later interviews. No arrests, no prosecutions, other than a whirlwind of hysteria. Where is the evidence of unwanted sexual conduct and harassment by the male attendees? The so-called undercover journalist went there skimpily dressed with one intention in mind. She presented no evidence other than a shaky video of a couple of seconds. The council seemed to accept by the motion that the behaviour of the men and the environment was reprehensible and breached the Equality Act. On what evidence, I ask? The whole affair is a mishmash of uncorroborated allegations, subjective judgments and a farrago of journalistic speculation. This motion has been activated by hysteria and excessive orchestration on the social media and the demonstration outside these offices showed poor judgment, bad parenting, and emotional, and emotional shallowness. Thank you. Let's carry on. The postings on Facebook against Tina, now removed, were disgraceful, bordering on hate crime. The motion stated she appeared to condone behaviour and presented a narrower view of the Equality Act in her interviews. Is this an eminent barrister's opinion or more a duplicitous attempt to force her resignation? Tina has exposed the mindless, vacuous nature if you can of draw the your social remarks media. To please. 
So I say to Tina, if this motion is passed, remember that line from Kipling. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, well, yes, she can bear it, because she is a strong woman, a balanced woman, and an asset to her ward and to the council, particularly as a chair of the Standards Committee. And I call upon you to reject this motion. Thank you. Thank you. Excuse me. Thank you. We're now moving to the formal agenda for the evening. May I remind members of the public that they may not participate further. As previously advised, I've agreed to bring forward the motion at item 25 on the agenda to item 2, and I will then provide an opportunity for members of the public to leave if they so wish. We turn to item 1 which is apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Apologies for absence. Chairman, Councillors Anjum and Lemon. <coughs> Councillors Anjum and Lemon, any other apologies for absence? Uh, yes, Councillor Freeman. Councillor Freeman, Councillor John Freeman, thank you. Right, any declarations of interest? Yes, yeah, Councillor Freeman. Richard yeah, Freeman. Town, Town Council, Southern Warden. Yeah, I think we've had about the town councils and so on. There's no need to declare that. Councillor Barker, Susan Barker. As unless it's county council relating to the budget items, Chairman. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Anything else? No? Right. So we move on to, to the agenda item and I'm going to invite Councillor Rolfe to put forward this is agenda item 25, which has been rescheduled item 2, and I will invite Councillor Rolfe to... Uh, yes, Councillor Asker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, can I... I would like to uh, call a point of order, please. Yes. Um, with regard to the agenda, uh, we've had numerous copies of the agenda have been distributed over the last period of a week. Um, it causes chaos, quite frankly, um, and I think that uh, I, would, I would like to know why that this has been the case. What, what, can I ask what number, your point of order, are you putting? Well, it's, um, it is item, uh, well, it's actually the whole agenda, but uh, item 25 that you've brought forward to a, a, as agenda item one, um, words have been changed through various uh, editions. So I would like to know why that has been and why in particular that the words bullying and victimisation have been removed from the first copy and don't show okay. in the subsequent copies. The Chief Executive will answer that. So obviously we apologise for the um, errors in the publication of the agenda. The uh, item as it appears under item 25 was the uh, motion submitted, that was the exact wording the motion was submitted by Councillor Rolfe. Uh, if members are clear what is being debated, then there is no point of order. No. I'm going to call upon Councillor Rolfe to propose the motion on the agenda. Thank you, Chairman, and uh, good evening, Councillors, members of the public <laughs> and uh, listeners. Presenting this motion is one of the unpleasant responsibilities of being leader of the Council. 
Let me begin by saying what it is not. It is not about Tina Knight's role as a district councillor. She has effectively represented Debden and Wimbish for almost 13 years, created links with Tang Ting in Nepal, liaised with Carver Barracks, and worked on many other initiatives in the community. It is not political. On the first Friday, a statement was issued by all three political parties which summarised their concern. There has been no political comment since from any current councillor. The issue is about comments made in interviews on BBC Radio by the chairman of this council's standards committee. We are discussing the matter in council because who is chairman of that committee is a council decision. Reference has been made to free speech, but this is a prerogative term. Some comments break the law and others are simply ill-advised. Councillor Knight was not interviewed as a councillor, but she is a councillor and more specifically chairman of the Standards Committee. Her public comments matter. The motion is in five parts. I intend to take sections one to four as one vote and then subject to the outcome we'll consider section five. Section one summarises both the council's standards and values and the law. It is essentially a statement of fact. Section two comments on remarks made by Councillor Knight and how they are at odds with the codes laid out in section one. I believe all councillors have seen transcripts of two of the interviews. I do not intend to read from them, but clearly the comments about groping not being sexual harassment are particularly material. Section 3 notes that the Standards Committee might have to deal with such matters. And Section 4 lays out that the comments are, in are inconsistent with our standards and values and therefore with the role of chairing the body that upholds the Council's standards. When the Council noted the interviews, it had three options. To agree with the comments, to ignore the comments, or to take action as a consequence of the comments. Of the three options, I don't believe we agree with the comments. I don't believe a responsible 21st century public body can ignore the comments when the rest of the world, the film industry, the charitable sector, the House of Parliament are saying that the boys will be boys culture is over. That groping is sexual harassment. I believe we have a responsibility to the staff and councillors at Uttlesford District Council and to the people of Uttlesford to show leadership and commitment to our standards. I therefore propose the motion. Thank you. Does I have a seconder? Councillor Dean, do you wish to speak now? Or? Yes. Right, right. Mr Chairman, it gives me no pleasure in seconding this motion. It should have been possible to deal with the matter in a different way than bringing what is effectively a motion of no confidence in the present 
chairmanship of this Council Standard Committee and I sincerely regret that we are where we are tonight. I have been pleased to serve on the Standards Committee alongside Councillor Tina Knight for the past three years. During that time, Councillor Knight has led a major review of the way the Standards System at Uttlesford operates. Previously, it did not work well enough, but now it is much more rigorous and there are far clearer responsibilities that should lead to more objective adjudication of complaints. I have known Tina Knight for over 40 years. We worked together in the 1970s to take British Rail to task over its services for commuters on the local railway line. I suppose my memories of those days were of a woman who does all that she can to stand up to unthinking bureaucracy, especially ones that do not deliver good service to customers. Most of us know that Tina has been more successful than many men and women in making her mark in the business community. To do that, one has to be outspoken and to be willing to make people think and to be prepared to ruffle more than a few feathers. The existence of freedom of expression, of free speech, and the ability to exercise them are essential to the shaping of public opinion and a key part of a democratic society. You all know the maximum about defending people's rights to their points of view. The issue tonight is not that Tina has no right to express her opinions. It has nothing to do with my agreeing with them, nor my not agreeing with them, with what she said on the radio. Nor does it matter that she was not speaking as a councillor when she gave her two radio interviews. The issue is whether Tina Knight's publicly expressed opinions on the radio about the events at the Dorchester Hotel would be likely to bring into question or would have, and would affect people's perception of her judgment in any case of similar interpersonal behaviour that might arise in future within the Council. Were such a complaint to be adjudicated by a standards committee of which she were chairman? I think it would be very difficult to disentangle the two matters in most people's eyes. The objectivity of the standards process would likely be compromised. For that reason alone, I believe that the Council and the public will be best served by appointing a new chairman to the standards committee. I will end by thanking Councillor Tina Knight for her important contribution to the standards process during her, chairman, uh, her period as the committee's chairman. She has much to offer the council and the local community. I hope that Councillor Knight will not let this interlude dim her robustness in defending her constituents, nor reduce her natural tendency to challenge where challenge is needed. Thank you. Yeah, I open up this motion debate. It's been proposed and seconded. Any member who wishes to speak? Councillor Lodge.
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I think, as um, we have seen this evening, there's been an enormous amount of interest, and um, many people have uh, spoken, and I'm very pleased that you have allowed them to, uh, to do so. So, to avoid the danger of repeating many of the issues, residents for Ottlesford District Councillors have decided to consolidate their views into a single statement which speaks to the important core principles. The first important principle is the right to, uh, is the right to free speech. R4U works hard to be plain spoken and speaks up for people who feel they don't have a voice. But we are mindful that free speech also has responsibilities. And all too easily complex issues can be reduced to sound bites which can be misrepresented or misunderstood. In reading the media recently, it would seem that this may have unintentionally happened here and in fact on all sides. With regard to free speech, it is a shameful indictment of transparency and democracy that this council administration has a policy which limits the number of public speakers at council meetings and decides who can and cannot speak. I believe the council has only allowed more speakers tonight after bowing to public pressure and from the local media. The public pay for this council, it is elected by them, and all residents should have the right to be heard. Not to do so is grossly undemocratic, and we should remember that for ongoing meetings. The second principle, and just as important, is equality. And our for use position is clear. It is our belief that there is no place for inequality in modern society. And in fact, our actions speak louder than words. Since the last election for this uh, district council, uh, our district councillors uh, have, have been, uh, in fact, composed of half uh, women. So it's important because we strive to represent as many local views as possible. But even though it's 100 years since women began to get the vote, much of our society is still out of step. Many professions fail to properly recognise women through equal pay, career pressure, progression and other opportunities. Even worse, the vestiges of our patriarchal society mean that often women are still marginalised and objectified, as we have seen. Nationally, there is a very public and ongoing debate about the situation with women, and both women and men are standing up for a fairer, more equal society. But when they do stand up, then often those who accept the status quo, quo or have their own agenda seek to undermine the change. We have seen that with the local campaign group, which was formed recently and are represented here tonight, as we have heard. It just so happens that one of the many people involved in that campaign group is married to an R4U councillor. Certain politically motivated activists have sought to hijack the equality agenda by publicly insinuating that because of this connection, R4U is behind this kind of smear campaign. These false accusations are designed to distract from the real debate, and that debate is securing gender equality. It is farcial and patronising in the extreme to suggest that a woman who is standing up against the patriarchal society would be doing so because she's been told to by her husband. Hundreds of suffragists and suffragists would be spinning in their graves now. 
R4U refuses to be drawn into these activist petty party political game because both equality and free speech are more important. This means that after we've made this point and this joint statement, R4U councillors do not intend to fix, speak further on this motion and we will not participate in that vote. We do, however, support the Council's affirmation of its belief that everyone has the right to be treated with dignity and respect, whether it is in the workplace or beyond, which includes not being subject to harassment. Finally, this Council should look to the future and how we change it. 2018 already feels like the year of positive change on equality. It feels that that is coming. But to make this a reality, it will take decisive uh, action. And this council needs to take its own steps. Two weeks ago, just after the centenary of women started to get the vote, we submitted a motion to this council, and we will vote on that tonight. The current district council policies and tools are not aspirational. They only require the absolute bare minimum of compliance with the law. That is why we are proposing the formation of a new Equalities Committee. We wish it to be cross-party and to include uh, independent residents from, representatives from the community. Its purpose will be to ensure that the Council... Council Lodge, uh, we are going to debate the Equalities Committee. We are debating this motion now. And what I'm saying, Mr Chairman, is very relevant and I've got about one minute left. Um, uh, I was saying the purpose to ensure the Council and its constitution practice is fully equitable, and we will talk about that later on. I mention it for a particular reason. Um, it is time for Ottersford Council District now to lead and not follow on this issue. We believe that this is a pro progressive proposal that all councils should support, so we look forward to cross-party support from our fellow Council colleagues. My, uh, colleague Councillor Light will introduce that later on. Now then it would be very good if, uh, and I've done a calculation here, maybe 50, 60, 70 members of the public could actually hear that debate. It's now scheduled to be item 23 on the agenda and everyone here will have to sit through uh, some 20 motions to hear that. So, because they've come here to listen and to participate, Mr Chairman, I very respectfully ask if that could be brought forward and dealt with as the next item on the agenda for the benefit of the public. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we are debating this item at the moment and we continue to do so. Any other members who wish to speak to this particular agenda item? Uh, yeah, Councillor Harris. I wasn't going to speak, um, but I feel compelled to now. Um, voting against or abstaining, um, I do not believe makes me complicit in supporting a crime. Um, I resent that comment. Um, I don't believe the two things go hand in hand at all. Um, I support the right that anyone, not just councillors, have the right to a private life. Um, and it's clear to me on this occasion that Councillor Knight was indeed speaking in her capacity as something other than a councillor. I cannot support this motion, but equally I can't oppose it, and it concerns me greatly that for the first time in seven years I will abstain on this vote. Um, I'm ashamed at how the Council has dealt with this matter. There is more than one form 
of harassment. We've heard a lot about that this evening. And I believe that the Council's poor approach to dealing with this matter has actually led to Tina being a victim of harassment here. Thank you. Councillor Jones. Thank you, Chairman, members, and um, all listening. Um, I want to make it very clear that I am going to vote against the motion. I'm doing so primarily because of the way the whole thing has been handled. It has been absolutely shameful. In effect, we will have the decision taken on this matter by public debate in the three or four weeks that have passed since the matter became public, Councillor Knight, to my knowledge, has not had the opportunity to meet with people to explain her take on the interviews that she carried out. Thank you, Chairman. And I firmly believe that everybody has a right to have their say before they are condemned. Now, we've heard a lot about free speech. I defend that. I think people should have free speech, but they must also be accountable for it. I certainly believe people should have a fair hearing before such time as they are condemned. And as I say, um, I shall therefore be voting against the motion. Thank you. Uh, can we refrain from clapping? It takes up time. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Whoops. <laughs> I wasn't going to speak tonight. Um, I have found this to be one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do since I was a councillor. I like Tina Knight, I respect Tina Knight, I've known her a long time, I know the good work that she does, and I wouldn't take anything away from her. What I am concerned about is the fact that she has gone public, and in her position as the Chair of the Standards Committee, and I'm on the Standards Committee, I'll make that quite clear now, um, I think it leaves her position untenable. We are, I'm also Vice Chair of the Planning Committee where we are told it's a matter of perception. It's a matter of what the public thinks and how they understand that how councillors will react and unfortunately, and I'm sorry Tina, it's nothing personal, I really cannot vote to keep Tina on as Chair of the Standards Committee. I hope she stays on the Standards Committee because she's been very valuable. But as Chair, I think I can't support that. Uh, and I would like to ask, and I'm not sure this is the right place, for a recorded vote, please. Speak. Councillor Rain. Thank you, Chairman. Um, my view on the matter is that um, Tina Knight was asked on the programme and introduced on the programmes as representing a women in business organisation. To my knowledge, she did not qualify any of her remarks as representing that body. And therefore, I see that as a lack of judgment and as such, with such a lack of judgment exposed, um, she cannot chair the Standards Committee. Thank you. Thank you.
I'm sorry, Chair, I wasn't going to speak this evening either. Um, I, I agree with both sides of this argument. I've never felt so torn over, over anything before. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Tina in so many ways, um, and I agree with something that Stephanie said. There's all forms of um, harassment and bullying, and I do feel that some of the comments in the public speaking on both sides were not appropriate, but I've agonised over this, and there is... Um, a couple of things in the motion I'm not particularly happy about, uh, such as the comment that says, which appeared to condone the behaviour of guests at the uh, President's Club dinner. As we know, there's only been uh, one person plus her assistant that's come forward and made any um, accusations of um, actions at the President's Club. So I'm not comfortable with that. Um, and that reporter was there for a story and she got a story. Um, Having said that, there was one comment that Tina made where she was asked about whether uh, groping was sexual harassment and she said, no, it wasn't, or words to that effect. I'm sorry, Tina, I haven't got the transcripts in front of me. And for me, that's the one comment that I really feel that at this point I've, I have to support the motion. Um, but as I hope you know, everyone can understand, it's a very difficult situation, but I feel that that for me, is the only thing. Any other comments from members? No, in which case I'd like to invite Councillor Knight to exercise her right of reply, if she wishes to. But um, I'm not sure if this Friday is anything, because as I was coming in, because I was running a bit late, I dropped all my papers and I brought my old-fashioned laptop in so that I could see what I put and sort my papers but I did one set and then changed it with another and while I've been chatting, I have been listening but I can't get my papers in order and the battery's just gone on my computer so, Sorry. do you want to take a little while just to get your papers in order? What I would like, if it's possible, if you wouldn't mind, if I could pop outside with this plethora of paperwork with a colleague or friend or something to try and put this into some order and find a plug where I can actually plug yeah. my ancient laptop in to find it got going. And I'm very sorry if that's caused confusion. Right. After consultation with the Chief Executive, we think it's fair that you given the opportunity to, to go to the Chairman's Chamber with a colleague, if you wish to, and but, but if you could be as quick as possible. Uh, yep. That would be very good. So we're going to adjourn the meeting for a short while until Councillor Knight has... Uh, as she is the subject of the motion, has the opportunity to do this. Talk amongst yourselves. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. We continue shortly. Resume our seats, please. The debate will be continuing shortly. Councillor Knight, I think we think is ready. To resume the meeting, Councillor Knight, if you'd like to make a statement, thank you. Thank you. I do apologise for the, the drama queen bit. Um, as chairman of the Standards Committee, I have refused to resign as this is my only chance to uh, protect the strength integrity and reputation of the committee. This committee is vital to maintain a fair and balanced view on any matter put before them. I'm pleased to say that our new code of conduct has been ratified and adopted by a good number of parish councils. I have also had meetings to discuss the procedures for the council which seriously need amending. While this is being worked on by the legal officer and CEO, <coughs> it is a long and difficult path and not yet concluded, which is a great shame as I find myself in this pickle because of the outdated and unfair procedures still in place. The accepted modus operandi in any of these situations is to hear both sides, to be in a position to make a balanced judgment. At no time have I been given the courtesy of discussing the situation, 
that has developed from the Facebook response of a number of women with what I believe in some cases is a hidden political agenda based on totally unfounded accusations and deliberately misinterpreted. This whole situation could have and should have been handled a lot better. Where is the democracy in this situation? I spoke as an individual and did not speak as or disclose that I was a district councillor and when I was asked for my opinion on a rather salacious report of the journalist. It became very apparent that the journalist had used a great deal of poetic license. Not an offence in itself, but the damage <coughs> to, let me call it, the woman's cause, in my opinion, could have, and as it turns out, has been immense. The PC police are having a field day. I cautioned in one of my interviews that if we weren't careful, the next thing would be them trying to ban women walking around a boxing ring with placards. Oh, how prophetic was I. I woke up the next morning to find the world had gone mad. <coughs> Journalists had had a few minutes of fame and set back the women's cause for years. Formula One getting rid of their grid girls, companies dropping their advertising campaigns, but the worst of all, art galleries removing grandmasters because women's blossoms were a showing. When do they start burning the books? The Yummy Mummies group, in marching onto the council offices, had every right to do so, if they so choose, but it is always more helpful if you actually, when protesting against something, get your facts right first. The deliberately libelous statements made by one of the admin members could easily have been checked if people had actually listened to what I had said instead of jumping to conclusions. However, sadly, they were not alone. <coughs> I received one letter of support from a member of the Yummy Mummies group who was ready to march and decided to listen to the recording while they had their supper, only to find at the end of it they agreed wholeheartedly with what I said, they apologised to me and offered to support me in any way they could. The YMG actually listening to the interview, it became apparent that I was being quoted out of context. I started to receive apologies from a large number of members of the Yummy Mummies group. The violent, disgusting comments being made went straight over for my head because I don't do social media, so they missed a trick there. It speaks volumes that Facebook took down the offensive comments immediately. What was their reaction? To accuse the local papers of making it up as if they were in a position to have taken the items off themselves. My issue, and this needs to be made very clear, is the lobbying behind scenes without anybody taking the trouble to discuss the matter with me or to find out the truth, but to just follow blindly. To agree to... I wish they'd remove that lady. To agree to vote for the motion, not because I had done anything wrong, but because it's a political hot potato subject, horrifies and saddens me at the same time. 
I would have liked to think that my fellow councillors have the courage to vote for what is right, not what is politically correct in someone else's opinion. Surely they can see that I have fought all my working life for equality of opportunity for women. That, in my opinion, means the ability to be who they want to be, to do what they want to do, and have the right to say no. However, I concede I do not agree with parity plus. The term having your cake and eating, it springs to mind. I don't approve of all female selection lists. It's patronising. We need to get there through merit. As applications to study in the medical legal and accounting professions have a higher admission rate of women now the men will get there and on merit i don't believe in women in tennis demanding the same prize money as men but still expect to say play three sets there had to be a balance and i don't believe anybody male or female has the right to impose their views on others how they should live their lives what job they do particularly from a position of ignorance my ability to lead and my integrity has been called into question with this demand for my resignation really the position of chairman of the standard board what concerns me is this decision was made not by anything i'd done wrong I was speaking in a personal capacity as a successful businesswoman. I was not acting as a spokesman for anybody. I was not given a chance to discuss the matter or settle this privately. A group of women that would appear demand my resignation and hold the council to ransom. That is what I make so frightening about this whole thing. The interviews I made at that day, and there were many, there were more than two, were broadcast nationally. Have there been riots and burning at the stake across the country? No. Councillor Knight, could you draw have, your remarks to a conclusion, please? I will try, but it's difficult. Um, only, this is my first time of being allowed to speak on the subject, and I would have thought a courtesy would have allowed me to finish. I have been thrown to the walls to deflect the fact that a group of women can hold this council to ransom. What does that say about this council if only four of my colleagues had the courage to contact me? The initial reason for the leader demanding my resignation was my interview on the Jeremy Vine show, and this was the reason argued in all local papers for three weeks. However, with a number of people actually really listening to the interview on the council and the Yummy Mummy group, it became apparent I was being quoted out of context. I started to receive apologies from a large number of members of this group with their violent, disgusting comments went straight over my head. <coughs> I've lost a page there, so I'll leave that out. Um, surely they can see what it looks like if they do not have the courage to stand firm when being threatened by a rather vocal part of the community. Part of my extensive career was a public speaker and spokesman for Bawi and Women Into Business. Having won a number of distinguished awards, I was asked to do workshops and training for women and to work for the British Council in third world countries. The only reason I mention this is because it was part of my career before I became a councillor. When first asked to stand to win a safe Lib Dem seat for the Tories, I declined. I had been warned about local politics. A great deal of persuasion ensued before I finally accepted. Had I been told that this would entail restrictions on my right of free speech, then I would not have entertained the position. 
As the boundaries seem to be getting tighter with what you can and can't say as a councillor, it is now no wonder that many parish councillors have only co-opted members on. I strongly think if this motion succeeds, people considering a career in local politics should seriously think about it again. With my background, it was obvious, I know you'll find this a surprise, that I am not a shrinking violet, and that I have a brain and a mouth that occasionally synchronise. Having been vice president of a large manufacturing electronics company employing 2,000 people and owning my own successful electric manufacturing company, there was never any doubt as my being a competent leader. I have chaired numerous committees, worked with many charities, both as chairman or part of a team. Yes, I can do team play, but it's always a lot easier when there is respect for the team leader. I believe there are enough people here with the intelligence to see there is a hidden agenda here because I hold people's toes to the fire and they don't like it. The saddest thing about all of this is in the misguided anger from the Yummy Mummies group about what they allege my views without actually knowing them. They have helped remove me from a position. I am doing my last line. thank Thank you. have helped remove me from a position where I I was strong enough to make sure that fair play for all is upheld. Thank you. If you'd like to reply to the motion as the proposer. Just just briefly, Chairman, and I don't want to repeat, but uh, this, this this isn't personal. Um, and it's absolutely not about your other abilities, much of which has been expressed in, in positive terms this evening. And it's not particularly about the Facebook campaign, and certainly this, campa- this, this council does not contone uh, any uh, kind of personalised uh, bullying approach, and I should know that because I think my name's been pretty liberally used in, in this discussion as well. Um, and there is no hidden agenda as I tried to explain in my opening comments, this is absolutely about the remarks that were made in public, and I understand free speech, but as I said, it is a prerogative, it is a prerogative term, uh, and you're not unlimited, and there are consequences sometimes when one does make comment, particularly uh, when you're in a position of authority. So I come back uh, to the motion that this is about comments made in the public place that were inappropriate, and there's, you, you, you know, we're crystal clear what was said with respect. Uh, I've got transcripts of the first two interviews here. We, we know what was said, uh, and, and they're not consistent with the values and the standards of Uttlesford District Council. Uh, and, and the Standards Committee is there to uphold those, and the Chairman in particular uh, to uphold those. And it is for that reason that I am proposing this motion, for no other reason. Thank you. Thank you. Can I, can I ask, is it. Is it your intention to take one to four on block? It is. It is. And there has been a request for a recorded vote. So, Mr Pugh, Cotson has a lock on? Yes, of course. Do you still wish to proceed with this? No, I will withdraw that request. Thank you. Right. Councillor Knight? Um, I'm suppose, I was told that that was my speech and I was told then I had to give my answers to the original thing. Could I just clarify that I, re, I have my response to the actual motion? 
we thought that you had given your response no, to the that was, that was. I was told I could speak for five minutes. And well, you, then, you had ten minutes. Fine, good. Um, I was then told that um, uh, Councillor Rolf would put the thing and I would have the right two things, to ex- explanations on points and the right to reply. I mean, com- two comments have been made and I haven't had the right to intervene that are incorrect. <laughs> yes, the right to reply is If you could keep it very brief, please, because... It's not a word that comes easily to me, no, but I'll no, do my nice. best. Yeah. Um, it has been quoted that I said that the sexual harassment was hilarious. I did not... I went on the radio to answer and state what my, um, I thought of the reporter's report on this event. And I, I, she gave her comments with great gaps. She thought, was she threatened? Well, no. And if you listen to it, the whole thing was alleged hearsay. I said that her article was hilarious because there are so many holes in it. I also did not call the girls airheads. What I said was they would have to be airheads if they went for an interview and were told to wear black knickers, strapless things and a tight skirt with transparent things and feed booze to a men only do and not understand what sort of evening it could become. I'd like that clarified. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Rolf, do you wish to say anything or shall we move to the vote? I think you can move to the vote. Thank you, Councillor. Right. Uh, there has been a request for a recorded vote and that which has been, been withdrawn. Unless there is another request for a recorded vote, we will do a show of hands. Councillor Rolf has proposed that one to four is taken on block. I was told specifically that they are not supposed to vote until I have put my answers to the... No, the right, you've had, the right reply was the right reply to the debate, which you have used. You have had over 10 minutes I have your been told I was told and I clarified this today that I, that I would have the, to address the actual motion I had the right to put my side of, what, of the event you have done. and then I have the right to uh, discuss the actual motion my answer to the motion before the vote yeah yeah so the advice that was given today was that as participating in the debate, uh, participants, including Councillor Knight, have five minutes subject to the discretion of the chairman to extend that, but Councillor Knight, as indeed anybody else, would have a right of reply at any point where there is a factual inaccuracy or a personal statement. Right, thank you. So I move to the debate. And the And therefore, the request for recorded vote has been withdrawn. Those in favour of one to four, please show as on the motion. Seventeen four. Those against, please show. Two. Those abstentions, please show. 
The motion is carried. I think there's four abstentions. The motion is carried. So, Councillor Rolfe, uh, can you go to item five on that motion, please? Thank you, Chairman. Item 5, uh, it therefore calls for nominations to replace Councillor Knight as Chairman of the Standards Committee, uh, and I put forward the name of Councillor Derek Jones. Are there any other nominations? said that it's not correct. I have the right to correct it. The vote has already been taken, Councillor Knight. Yeah, because that's exactly because I was told that I would have the right to correct things. I asked you before you took the vote that I could do that. This is a kangaroo court, and I, I've, I've took a thing from Peter Snow, Democratic Services thing. I checked the order. I spoke to Councillor Redfern and was told that I, she had checked, and I gave my speech, and then I would follow the motion Thank you. and you've ignored it. No, you've had ten minutes to speak. You had I don't an opportunity care. to come you back. You have ignored my right of reply. No, you have had a right to No, I wasn't. I, anyway, I, we had the vote. We're going to move on with the fine. agenda. I just want people and to know it's a We are going to go with the agenda as on the order paper. So we're going to item two, which is the minutes of the previous meeting. If those people who wish to leave now want to do so, please feel free to do so. Mr Chairman... Um, a point of procedure, if I may. Yes. The, the, these people are now flocking out. I think they would want to hear that, oh. e that equality debate. No, this is uh, what uh, they the came to I've made the for. decision, Councillor Lodge. We are going with the agenda as printed on there. So we're going on to. I am going on to item two. I heard what you said, but I'm going to go with the agenda that's here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We want to continue with the meeting. <laughs> Just repeating itself as well. Yeah, well, as long as it's not in the chamber, I suppose. Right, we will move on to item two, the minutes of the meeting held on the 7th of December. Is it your wish that I sign them as a correct record? Professor Barker? No, just technically, Chairman, under C50, where you reported deaths, you actually misspelled Mary Rowe's name. Oh, right. I do just feel... So, yes, that's quite important. So, can you correct that? Councillor Barker was saying under C50, the housing officer who unfortunately died, her name is misspelt. 
is Mrs. Rowe, but it's R-O-W-E, Chairman. I just think... No, you're quite right. You should get it right. So it's R-O-W-E rather than O-E. And that's... Any other corrections to the minutes? No? Thank you. So I will sign them there. And we will move on to the next agenda item, which is Chairman's Announcements. And... Thank you for all those who supported me at the civic dinner by either attending or by donating raffle prizes. I think it was a very successful event. I had only one small disappointment. I had been building up Mr Webb's introduction. And he was going to give 75 PowerPoint slides, I was telling people, and yet there was not one in sight. But apart from that, I think we do owe a debt to our officers, being serious, Mr Webb, Nicola Whitman and others, for getting this asset. And I have had a letter only today from the Lord Lieutenant saying how she enjoyed the dinner and how interested she was in the Chesterford project. So, as I say, once again, thank you to the officers and others for achieving that. And we can see from the accounts, which will be touched on later on, how important that uh, Chesterford is going to become to us. Um, I've had a few events uh, since we last met. I won't keep you too long on it because conscious of time. Um, I attended a civic dinner given by the chairman uh, of Essex County Council, Council Aldridge, and Council Rolf might be like to know that Council Aldridge, uh, like me, sometimes gets mistaken for the leader. Uh, but unlike me, he never admits that. He's <laughs> but I won't go any further down there. Um, sometimes young people in particular may get a not so good name, but one of the things in this job is that I've been going around and sit, going to a number of events, and I attended the Wizard of Oz at uh, the Southern County High, and fantastic production, and I was sitting next to a governor of the County High who tells me that the catchment area for the County High is now the main school, really, basically Southern Warden itself. Um, I also attended the meeting of the Essex Air Cadets and those representatives from Great Dunmo might like to know that the Dunmo Squadron uh, came second in terms of the, getting points for the Duke of Edinburgh's award scheme. And Burns Night Supper at Waltham Forest College, which was prepared by the students at Waltham Forest College, and a fantastic meal. And who knows, in the future, when we have Stansted Airport College up and running, there might be something similar there. Um, two other points. This year marks the 100th anniversary of uh, women getting the vote. Um, Adelsford is not always that great in marking anniversaries. Uh, the Mayor of Southern Walden, Councillor Freeman, did tell me about the Holocaust Memorial Day at St Mary's, which I attended. And a number of councils do mark that. We don't seem to do. Uh, it's just something for the future. Uh, the 
the 100th anniversary of the ending of World War I will be in November. Uh, and I know a number of parish councils, including mine at Stansted, are going to do something to mark that. Because as one goes around the district and you see the war memorials, the number of people who gave their lives in that conflict is pretty stark. So whether the council intends to do something for that, I, I think I'll leave it to others. The last point, the Lord Lieutenant is holding a service uh, for the Commonwealth on the 29th of April at Chelsea Cathedral. She's asking for young people who've got Commonwealth connections, hopefully to be in their national dress, to come from Uttersford. So if members do know of residents, young people who have got Commonwealth connections, please let the officers know. I should have said, it would be remiss of me to say with the dinner, I do owe some thanks, uh, big thanks to uh, Sue Kempster, Melanie McGuire and Daniel Barden who took the photos on the evening because without them it wouldn't have happened. And I think we've raised about £3,500 for the dinner. So that will go to the two charities, Support for Sight and the Essex Wildlife Trust. So that's my uh, announcements. We move on to item four, which is reports from the leader and members of the executive council. Councillor Rolf. Nothing this evening, Chairman. Uh, item five, questions to the leader, members of the executive and committee chairman. Any members who wish to put questions? Councillor Foley. I'll be very brief, but um, Leader, uh, I just wanted to know, um, can you excuse me for not standing? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to know that if you by any chance have had a chance to look at a recent report, uh, I think it was, uh, it, it was funded by CPRE on <coughs> brown, the uh, huge amount of brownfield sites that are in uh, England at the moment, over a million, and that report's apparently going to the government and uh, to get a response. I wonder if you've had a chance to look at it, and if not, I'll be happy to send you a copy. Uh, well, I would appreciate you sending me that. You'll, you'll appreciate, uh, unless there's something in this report that I'm not aware of, that Uttlesford doesn't have a lot of brownfield sites, with the obvious exception of Carver Barracks. And I think we've discussed that in this council before. It will be an opportunity, but not until uh, 2031. But please send me that link, and it's obviously very important in the planning debate. Thank you. Councillor Dean. Thank you, Chairman. I've got a parochial question that I'd like to <clears throat> put to Councillor Howard Riles and to ask whether he could uh, please advise me how much income the Council will receive in the current financial year 2017-18 at the Lower Street Car Park, Stansted, from car park space as leased to the owners of Castle Maltings for use by the NHS and occupiers of private apartments. And, and further, what will be the equivalent income received by UDC in the forthcoming year, 1819, and the one after that, 1920? Thank you. Good evening, Councillor Dean. Um, I've uh, taken the opportunity to have a look into this. The uh, 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 spaces um, uh, were leased for 21 years. The first two years were rent-free from the 1st of December 
2006, or 2nd of December 2016. Um, so the first rent is payable two years after that, so the first rent starts being paid from the 2nd of December 2018. Okay, that's, the, that's when the, the money starts to be paid. And the residential spaces uh, will be paying a total of approximately £12,000. And the medical spaces will be paying a similar amount. So we're looking roughly 24000 per year to UDC, but commencing the 2nd of December 2018. Just come back to that. I wasn't aware of that detail um, and in a way I think bearing in mind that we could do with more investment at that and other car parks it's a pity that we uh, agreed to a full two years uh, zero rent but there we are we're, we're where we are obviously thank you no, is it fine thank you right any other questions in which case we move on to item six matters received about joint arrangements and external organisation. No matters have been notified me, to me about joint arrangements or from external organisations. So item 7 is the member scheme of allowances for 2018 to 19 and I'd like to welcome members of the independent remuneration panel and David Brunwyn in particular acting as this year's chairman who will be presenting the panel's annual report and proposals to changes in the Members Allowance Scheme in 2018-19. And I'd like to invite Mr Brunwyn to present his report. Good evening. Thank you. This is just a synopsis of our report. Uh, it focuses on three recommendations. To increase the basic allowance in all SRA by 1% to introduce a new SRA for payment to the Licensing and Environmental Health Committee members and to adopt a revised scheme of expenses for travel and meals and refreshments. There's a much fuller version of this in your packs, I believe. First of all, the basic allowance. Following our considerations last year, we have decided not to recommend linking the latter to future local government pay awards but to continue proposing regular, modest increases in the level of the basic allowance, as this is seen as preferable to proposing larger increases less often. If approved, the impact on the Council's budget will be to increase the cost of paying basic allowances by £1,989, and this will also impact on the cost of all SRAs as well, because of the multiplier effect. In practice, these increases, including those which follow below, are already budgeted and the scheme will cost less than the headline figure because of the double payment rule barring councillors from claiming more than one special responsibility allowance. Secondly, following our, from our work last year, it was apparent that the workload of the Licensing and Environmental Health Committee members was not being shared equally by all of its members, the bulk of the work being borne by four or five members, with some not participating at all. Councillor Chambers, who um, came to our, one of our meetings and explained things, um, <coughs> explained that the attendance of members at daytime meetings was restricted because some were employed or otherwise unavailable during the day. 
After due consideration, we recommend the introduction of a modest special responsibility allowance to reflect the commitment and the responsibility involved and the need to be available for unscheduled meetings, often at short notice. This will be based on a qualifying threshold for attendance at 50% of a minimum of 10 panel meetings, excluding scheduled meetings. Moreover, although it is not in our remit, we consider it wrong in principle that the bulk of the work of attending licensing panel meetings continually falls to a minority of committee members and suggest the Council should consider the availability of all members to attend daytime panel meetings when setting the committee's membership. Lastly, we reviewed the members' expenses for travel and subsistence and have proposed some changes to update and clarify the scheme to make it more relevant to the way the Council operates. The proposed scheme, set out in Schedule 2, now includes limits to the amounts that can be claimed for meals and refreshments and makes clear that claims for hospitality for guests are not permitted. We also considered the introduction of substitutes and the reintroduction of deputies. Careful consideration was given to the former, but we felt it was a little too early in the lifetime of the substitute system to reach any firm conclusions about payment to those members concerned. Accordingly, we will return to this matter as part of our next annual review. Similarly, we do not consider that there is any justification for a special responsibility allowance payment to be awarded to deputies, given that collective rather than individual decision-making continues to form the basis for Cabinet operations. Finally, the Independent uh, Remuneration Panel also supports the Council's intention to fund all 39 elected councillors as data controllers in order to cover their personal liability when conducting Council business. This is our report. This is from me, David Brumwin, Janet Pearson and Steph Grace Harding. Thank you very much. Are there any questions to Mr Brunwyn from members? Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, can I, can I, not necessarily a question, but can I uh, thank the remuneration panel for taking notice of what I said, because I think uh, it, it's quite clear in there that if members are on the panel, for some reason some can't attend, I realise that, and that's unfortunate, but those that can, I think a small remuneration is uh, gratefully received. So I'd like to thank them very much for that. But perhaps on your behalf, sir, I, I could thank them very much for all the hard work they put in and propose that we accept these uh, remuneration, the uh, recommendations from the remuneration panel. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. Any other questions to Mr Brunwyn? So Councillor Chambers has proposed. A seconder, Councillor Rolfe, is seconding. So those... Sorry, Councillor Morris, you wish to speak. Yes, please. Thank you. It isn't a question to the, uh, the gentleman there. Um, just to comment, actually, as a serving member of the licensing committee, and I have been since my election three years ago, um, as somebody who has had to return to a day job 18 months ago, um, I do support the introduction of um, a special allowance to the members who do give up their time during the day and it's very unfortunate that I'm unable to do so as I did find them very interesting and mostly very enjoyable. I know that sounds a bit strange in some cases. 
Um, I am available on Fridays, but it does appear that meetings can't be arranged for those days, and as I said, that is unfortunate. Um, however, with regards to the agenda item in total, um, given that many, many of our residents have budgetary pre um, pressures on their family finances, I do find that I can't support um, the increase to members' allowances overall, but I did want to voice my support in principle of a special allowance for the licensing committee members. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm delighted to uh, second this motion and I add my thanks to the remuneration uh, panel for the dedicated work that they've put in through the year. I think my views on this are pretty well known that um, we engage a, a group of external um, well, I like to think of it experts in terms of examining the whole package of remuneration and unless there's something that I particularly disagree with and I've never had to do that, uh, I believe that we should follow their lead otherwise we end up with a situation that they ended up in the House of Commons uh, where they uh, didn't put up uh, and, and, and keep pace and I, I liked your line about keeping pace rather than going up in big lumps which is always unattractive so I do disagree, I think the, the increases you, rec you, you suggest are in line with what uh, local government officials are getting as well so there is a consistency there so overall I think it's been a well considered package and I'm delighted to second it, thank you From my point of view, thank you to Mr Bromman and his colleagues, I think the key is in the name independent remuneration panel <coughs> So we will go to the vote in terms of whether to adopt the panel's recommendations. Those in favour of adopting the panel's recommendations, please show. That's clearly carried. Those against, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Make it eight. I don't know if it's to be Let's say messes me. Yeah. Eight abstentions. One, two, two abstentions. The motion is carried. Thank you. All right, we move on to corporate plan 2018-22. Uh, invite Councillor Rolfe to present the recommendation of the Cabinet to approve the corporate plan. Thank you again, uh, Chairman. Um, and uh, we have uh, looked at uh, corporate plans before. This obviously is a further iteration of what you've studied, and it's the plan for 2018 to 2022. Um, and the detail is laid out uh, on page uh, 29 of your pack. The themes remain the same, um, which is uh, promoting thriving, safe and healthy communities, uh, protect and enhance heritage and character, support sustainable business growth and maintain a fi financially sound and effective council. Um, and uh, obviously there's commentary uh, on um, why this is important and uh, we will do this by. Uh, I won't read them out, you've read all the report. Um, and um, the associated delivery plan uh, will be adopted by Cabinet at its meeting on the 4th of April. Uh, so I so propose, Chairman, thank you. That have a seconder? I think Councillor Dean I saw first. Right, thank you. So any comments on the corporate plan by members? If no, it has, if not, it's been proposed and seconded. We'll go to the vote. Those in favour of adopting the corporate plan, please show. I think that's unanimous. 
Yes, it's yours. Thank you. Uh, we item 9, Investment Strategy. Invite Councillor Howe to present the recommendation as endorsed by the Scrutiny Committee to approve the Investment Strategy for 2018-19. Thank you, Chairman. Councillors, this is the first of 12 papers that I have to introduce tonight. Um, so I hope that we're all wide awake. Um, all matters relating to investment strategy are taken by Council, um, so it's, quite, it's absolutely appropriate, therefore, that this should come to Council for its consideration. It's a requirement for us to set an annual investment strategy, so this will be an annual event. Uh, presumably, I will be including it as part of mine or any of my successors' presentation at this time of the year. It's intended to guide and inform us how to prioritise, to channel our resources, to identify where we have a commercial advantage, where we can add value. The, the benefits, uh, potential benefits, uh, of our investments in Chesterford Research Park, I believe, are becoming apparent. And this will establish a framework and a structure were we to make any future investment decisions. I know that we have a great deal of skill and experience uh, within this room, uh, but I think as an organisation we're learning about being more commercial, and so establishing an investment strategy I think is an important first step to help and guide us. I therefore make the recommendation. The Council is recommended to approve the investment strategy 2018-19 as attached. Thank you. Before we continue, um, Rule 8 duration of the meeting, I need to seek the view of the meeting whether we continue. Uh, I think uh, the officer's view, and certainly my view, budget is essential to progress, so I hope that members will say yes, that we are able to continue to conclude the business tonight. Is that your wish? Yes. Thank you. Councillor Howe. This is a seconder to that. Yes. Uh, Thank you. Uh, members commenting on agenda item 9, investment strategy. No? So we have a recommendation there. Those in favour of the recommendation, please show. Thank you. Any against? Abstentions? One, I think. One, I think, yeah. So, almost unanimous. So, we move on. Um, I think we're still with Councillor Howe, and we'll be for a while. Um, so, we move on to agenda item 10, which is the budget covering report 1819. Thank you, Chairman. Councillors, 200 pages, six separate reports. Um, plus two equality impact assessments, and in previous years, I've taken you through it page by page but I'm, I'm conscious of the time. Um, and so I will try and summarise this, if you don't mind. I'd like to start off by thanking officers, uh, Mr Webb, Mrs Knight, and the members of the finance team for the... Sorry, Ms Knight. Uh, for the um, enormous amount of hard work and effort they've put in to preparing the budget. It's a very extensive exercise over a number of months has a range of iterations. Uh, it's gone through scrutiny. You'll be aware that there's a consultation in the summer with the public on our priorities. So it, this is the culmination of a very long and involved process. Um, rather than take each of the papers separately, we have a very convenient shortcut on page 40 to 41. So under item 10, we can bring together 
all of the elements of the budget into a single um, decision. Um, I'd like to make a note an amendment, if you don't mind, at the top of page 41. The investment strategy does not form part of the, the budget, and so we will not be voting on that. And similarly, the general fund budget and council tax item, which is uh, agenda item 15, requires a recorded vote. So we'll be taking that separately. So if it's your agreement, rather than me go through each of the papers and do separate votes, I'll ask you to do two votes at the end of, of, of what I hope will just be a short introduction. I will take it as that you have read the papers. Um, I'd like to thank Scrutiny for their hard work. Um, I'll take it also that questions about the contents of the budget have already been raised with officers. I note and commend Councillor Dean, who prepared 56 questions for officers. Um, so I, I wouldn't ask all, all councillors to do that because you will no doubt um, destroy the will to live. But, um, but the approach of actually approaching officers in advance of this meeting and asking questions is one that I would commend and, uh, as an example. I think it's important to give some context to the budget. When I was first appointed the Member for Finance two years ago, our funding from central government was £7.65 million. For the budget that we are setting now for 1819, um, it has fallen in that time by £2.5 million, a third. We will now get government funding in various forms of £5.1 million. And as a council, we have had to navigate a very, very substantial change in our financial circumstances over that two years. And I think broadly that we have done so together collectively. Um, not only has the amount changed, but also the composition of that funding has substantially changed, and that has significant impacts on how we can structure our finances going forward. Um, much, if not all, of our funding from government will be through new homes bonus and business rates. And our expectation is that any additional income from business rate retention will also bring additional responsibilities. So these are important contexts for setting the budget. It's clear to me, and I hope to others who read the, the papers, that our investment strategy has been an absolutely crucial decision for us as a council. Um, it is hopefully able to produce and contribute um, up to £2 million a year in, in a full year, and it underlines the importance of the decision that we took 12 months ago. Um, I believe that if we hadn't made that decision, we'd be contemplating a very different budget today. We'd be considering one which would probably have a deficit in the order of £1.4 million, and we'd be making some very serious decisions about what our priorities are going forward. Inevitably, changing the focus on how we operate and adopting a more commercial attitude is going to bring challenges, but I believe we are investing for the future, and it gives us greater control and independence going forward, less dependence on a single stream of income from government. Um, I also need to point out that we've entered this challenge in a far stronger financial position than many councils, and I'd like to thank the hard work of the previous council and Councillor Chambers, my predecessor. I need to emphasise that this budget is based on maintaining current service provisions, and in addition to that, there is a significant programme of investment in the future. Our capital programme includes £600,000 of investment in vehicle replacement, 
we have a rolling programme of £2.9 million in vehicle replacement over five years. That's in addition to the £1.9 million we spent on vehicles in 1718. And refuse and recycling is at the very core of the Council's operations, and for that reason, it's an important area of investment going forward. We continue to put aside money in what I call a sinking fund for a new single-site single depot. We put aside £3 million in 2017-18, and a further £1.74 million is proposed in the budget. It's not glamorous, but it is a necessary investment in the future to bring our depot onto a single site. Um, we're continuing to invest heavily in council and our sheltered housing estate. Our capital spending will this year be £3,340,000 on repairs and maintenance. We're spending a total of £8.8 .8 million budgeted in 1819 on sheltered redevelopment and new builds, a total of £33 million over the next five years. And I think we have a record that all of us as councillors can be proud of. We're one of relatively few councils that own and still continue to build new council houses. Um, we have the financial strength to manage the flexing of the budget. It's multi-layered. There are many, many, many different lines within the budget, and inevitably there are peaks and troughs of spending within each of those individual lines. The local plan is hopefully coming to the, to the final lapse, and inevitably there's going to be an increase in spending in 1819, as there has in 1718. It's a challenge which is faced by all councils. However, we have the financial resources um, to manage this. We've been expecting it. We have the reserves set aside and we have the flexibility within our budget to be able to accommodate that additional spend. The council's decision to pursue a garden community strategy as a core element of the local plan also necessitates additional investment. We're putting £400,000 into the budget for 1819. This is an investment in skills and resources to allow us to deliver that core part of the local plan. But I do need to flag to councillors that this is not a one-off. This is a strategy that will require a continued and ongoing investment, perhaps of even a greater scale than, than we are currently investing. We're also looking to put additional investment in areas that residents and councillors believe, believe are priorities. Um, we're putting additional resources into enforcement, additional resources into litter picking and fly tipping. We spend in total £384,000 a year on picking up other people's rubbish. Uh, we will make an additional £37,000 investment in public uh, community support officers, PCSOs. That's in addition to our current spend, existing spend of £85,000. This is working in partnership with local communities on community safety. We're putting additional resources to support the activities of our four day centres. It's important work. Um, we're also increasing our investment in business development, recognising that our funding is changing and business rates are going to be an increasingly important element of our income going forward, we have a responsibility, and it is prudent and sensible for us, to encourage and grow the businesses within our community. Like it or not, compliance requires investment, 
and those of you who have been following the EU's General Data Protection Regulations, naturally known as GDPR, will understand the requirements that fall on us, and we have a substantial and unavoidable cost to this organisation to ensure that we're compliant. I would like to emphasise some of the things that we do that don't get the drum banged very often. We continue and are maintaining our investment on the community and voluntary sector. £600,000 in 2018-19. Grants to the voluntary sector directly were 335000 Additional community grants of 72,000, capital grants of 110,000, the members' new homes bonus, 78,000, a total of 600,000, supporting our parish councils, the community groups, the glue that holds together so much of our, our community. We're also holding local council tax support at 12.5%, um, and I will say this because I've said it before, but it's something that I think this council should be proud of. That is the lowest contribution rate of any council in Essex. I do need to thank officers and staff because we have delivered significant efficiencies during the course of 2017-18. That's about doing things the same way, but better. It is not about cutting services, but it's about being more efficient. And we've achieved efficiency savings in year of £700,000. But looking ahead, we have to deliver further savings on a rolling programme of £300,000 a year. It will be a challenge, but I believe that our people are up to this challenge. The funding of this council is changing. It's quite difficult sometimes, you can't see the wood for the trees, but it is changing, and we are having to respond by being more independent, by looking to ways to, to, um, to, to earn income ourselves using our own resources. Inevitably, there is going to be pressure also on council tax. That is one of the core elements um, of funding for this council going forward. And so, therefore, I'm proposing a 2.99% increase in council tax. For a band D property, that's the equivalent of £147.21 per annum. That's an increase of £4.28 per annum, 36p a month. Uttlesford District Council represents about 9% of the total council tax bill. And I do need to also point out that our cost per household remains lower than it was in 2010-11. Officers tell me that Uttlesford continues to be the district council with the lowest council tax per household in Essex. So I believe this is a budget for investment in the future. We continue to maintain quality services, focusing on the areas that matter most to both residents and councillors. We aim to be a high-quality, low-cost council, and I believe that this budget helps us to achieve this. I therefore propose the following recommendations. I think I have to read them out, don't I? Fine. Um, noting the Equalities Impact Assessments, set out on page 43 and 49, and also the one which is attached on, I think, 209 through to 215 on the housing uh, revenue account budget, um, item 16. Item 11, robustness of estimates and adequacy of reserves and the reserve strategy. The Council is recommended to take account of the advice in the report when determining the 1819 general fund budget and council tax. 
B. Approves the risk assessment relating to the robustness of the estimates as detailed in the report. C. Set the minimum safe contingency level for 2018-19 at £1,402,000 in line with the specified calculation in detailed in point 9 and this to be held in the working balance reserve. D. Approve no transfers to or from the working balance should be built into the 2018-19 budget outside of maintaining the minimum safe contingency level and E, that the attached reserve strategy is adopted. Moving on to item 12, the recommendation which deals with the medium-term financial strategy is that the Council is recommended to approve the medium-term financial strategy. Moving on to item 13, set out on pages 95 to 114, which is the Treasury Management Strategy. The Council is recommended to approve the Treasury Management Strategy and its accompanying appendices. Item 14, the Capital Programme, on pages 115 to 125, the Council is recommended to approve the five-year Capital Programme. And then item 16 is the Housing Revenue Account Budget and accompanying um, assessment. The, the, the recommendation is that the Council is recommended to approve the Housing Revenue Account and five-year forecast. And that will, I think, be the first vote, and the second, as a recorded vote, is item 15, the General Fund Budget and Council Tax. The Council is recommended to approve the A, the uh, General Fund Council Tax requirement of £5,330,000. Sorry, I'll start that again. The General Fund Council Tax requirement of £5,330,374, summarised in paragraph 17 to 24, and B, the schedule of fees and charges in Appendix F. Thank you very much. You didn't do A. I didn't do A on the, uh, the last one. Mm -hmm. Let's go to A quickly, which is page 127. Sorry about this, everyone. A. Uh, I beg your pardon, you're right. The, important one. the, the council tax resolution as detailed in Appendix G. Would you mind taking that as well? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Does, does council, just to clarify for members, uh, what <coughs> Council Howe is proposing is to take items 10, 11, 12, 13, uh, 14 and 16 as one vote and as he said item 15 has to be a recorded vote. Can I first of all uh, is there a seconder for Councillor Councillor Chambers do you wish to speak to this? Not at the moment. No thank you any members Councillor Morris? Thank you Chairman. Um, this is with regards to agenda item 15 in particular um, taxi licensing fees um, at our last licensing committee meeting on the 24th of January, um, it was agreed that we would put out the suggested increase in fees to a 28-day consultation with the best will in the world that can't have started until the following day, the 25th, which brings the closing of that consultation to today's date. So my question actually is, are we able to include the increased fees in this budget, given that if there are comments on them and they come back to the licensing committee and are changed, uh, uh, where does that leave us with regards to these fees in this budget? I do believe that ULODA had a number of concerns about the increases, um, so perhaps if you could just let me know where we stand on that. Thank you very much. Councillor Howe. Um, Councillor Chambers may help you. 
Councillor Morris, what a great question. I have to say, um, I, I may struggle to give you a complete answer to this, but my understanding is the budget is not going to start until April, so the consultation will have finished by then. I don't wish to prejudge the decision of the licensing committee, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, in the preparation of the budget, I, I'm assuming that, that it is going to be adopted, but I recognise that that is a decision that the licensing committee will take in due course. Um, and if it were to choose not to, to address that, in, in that change, then we will have to find efficiencies somewhere else. But it's a good point. Thank you. Councillor Chambers, Chair of the Licensing Committee. Thank you, thank you, Mr Chairman. I'd just like to say, uh, Councillor Morris, that um, yes, we have taken that into account and we are obviously still out to consultation, <coughs> as all the members of the Licensing Committee know. You loader have uh, obviously put in questions and comments about what they think about. What I would say to you is that we have, uh, there will be sufficient money within the budget, the existing budget, to carry out the forms should they be passed over the next three years. That has been built in to the review, the end of the review. So we're not doing anything that we haven't thought about having the money. It's not, not going to all be spent next year. There is sufficient to be able to include those should we go along with the recommendations. But there's still a lot of work to do on it. Um, and obviously, we are like the council tax, Mr Chairman. We are the lowest by far almost anywhere in the country, even with those increases, should they be agreed, than anywhere else. So, we're just really getting up to date as to where we should be. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Chairman. I have managed to find my list of 56 questions. Um, but, but in view of the hour, um, I thought what I'll do is I'll, I'll lengthen it to 57 for next year so I can match Heinz and, 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 and ask them on that occasion. But I, I, when the Liberal Democrat group will support the, um, the budget, I've just got two points that I, I'd like to make. One is that one that came up at um, scrutiny and, and I mentioned it at uh, the Cabinet. That is that uh, you know, it takes a special person to, to try to work through all these tables to understand the trend in the various uh, streams of income that the Council receives, those that are going down and those that are going up. And I, and I, I like pictures as well as questions. And um, so I'm just wondering whether next year we can somehow or other um, put it in graphical form, picture form, so that it's more easy to understand. I did receive a, a letter from somebody who claimed to be, um, well, he, he got it from the Ratepayers Alliance or whatever they call themselves and wanted an explanation. Uh, give, if I can give him a picture next year, it might be, it might be easier. The other point I'd just like to mention, it has been referred, mentioned by Councillor Howell, that is the additional item that's um, in the budget this year that was a result of a, um, a suggested amendment to the budget by the Lib Dems last year, that is to fund uh, PCSOs jointly with town and parish councils. So I'm pleased that there's a figure of £37,000 in there, clearly depending on when it starts, etc., etc., and what the funding is from the parish councils will determine uh, what we get for our money, if you will. Uh, all I would do is ask Councillor Howell to consider 
getting out of this new scheme um, more than one PCSO. I'm not going to put an amendment changing the numbers because that's fiddling around with the figures. But uh, I just, as a matter of principle, I just like um, at least an indication that uh, attempts will be made to do that. Uh, and that is all, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Uh, how do you want to respond to that, or should I take Councillor Artis next? <coughs> yes, I think so. Councillor Artis. Uh, hopefully a very simple question. Um, can you tell me the status of the garden community's reserves and what it's likely to max out at, please? I'm going to deal with them as a group. Yes, Councillor Hargreaves. Two, two um, matters. One, I'd like looking for a, a reassurance on something. And this is on uh, the, our retention of business rates. Um, the figure, the income figure that's shown in accounts is 2.6 million. Um, that is shown as net of uh, levy. Now, looking at last year's figures, the figure before the levy was 16.7 million pounds, most of that, of course, coming from Stansted Airport. Then um, the government comes along and makes an assessment of our need. Um, now I have got this information from a response from officers and then they took 15 million of that 16.7 million from us in a levy and then with some further adjustments we ended up with 2.8 million last year which is similar to this year so 15 million taken from us now the reassurance is if we are doing revenue earning things like Chesterford we're earning cash there can we have insurance that that revenue is, is uh, ring fenced away from this government calculation, or put another way, are we in a position where we could be working very hard to earn extra cash? And we've come along and, and the government say, oh, well, um, you don't actually need all that. We could take some more business rates from you. So that's... I can stop now if you want. I've got a second issue, but you wish me to... Yeah, because uh, I was going to wrap it up, the, the three questions, just, I think. It's just a, a request, actually. It's, it's, um, we are, as district council, we're in the firing line when people, um, residents come along and say, what are you doing about this huge increase in council tax, the £80 a year, £81 a year that they're seeing? And you say, sorry, it's not me, Gov. It's, it, it's all these other people. Our, our bit is actually quite tiny. Uh, that's not a very convincing response, obviously that's the truth. Is it possible, let me actually send the letters out, obviously it does have, very clearly for those who wish to read that most of it's Essex, because it possibly can make absolutely clear, in big letters, put Essex logo over on, that actually we are the collector of it, we pass the whole lot on, and if they want to argue, they want to talk to Essex and not, and not others, so that, that it's made very clear, because people who, you know, it's council tax, they just don't understand, and it's all our fault. Yeah. Right, Councillor Howe, you've got three questions there. I, I think Councillor Dean's suggestion of trying to represent some of the information in the medium-term financial strategy in particular and the different income and expenditure lines and by way of charts is an excellent one. Officers I know have taken it away, they're working on it and, and I think it was a very good uh, suggestion from, from him and from the scrutiny um, committee. Um, 
I, I know that the leader has indicated, and I'm sure that, 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 that I can endorse this, we would want to maximise the benefit that we can get from our additional investment in PCSOs. We currently fund two at £85,000. The £37,000 that we'll be working with match funding with local communities, I would hope would allow us to do more than one. Um, but as you say, it depends on timing, engagement from other communities. Um, Councillor Artis's question about the reserves for garden communities, I think I need to refer into page 65-67 that sets out our general fund reserves. And in particular, at the bottom of page 67, there's a five-year general fund reserve plan. And there is a single item for garden communities um, and £105,000 in reserves for that. Over the five-year period, it doesn't change. So in answer to your specific question, um, Councillor Hargreaves... I'm really sorry, I probably can't give you an answer on business rates retention. I think you made the same point at, um, at scrutiny, and it was a good one. I probably should have taken away and, um, and done some homework. Perhaps I can come back to scrutiny. I am certainly intent that we should not um, find ourselves handing over what I consider to be our money um, to someone else. Um, so I've taken that on board. And you're absolutely right, it is deeply frustrating that people turn around and say, why is Uttlesford charging me £2,300 or whatever, when I have to point out it's actually £148. Um, there's a pie chart within the letter that goes out to all residents. There is a great deal of information there showing the breakdown. But as you rightly say, most people don't read it, um, or perhaps many people don't read it. What I would say is that the format, I believe, is set as a statutory measure. We, we're, um, we're obliged to represent it as we do. The information is there, but I would urge all councillors to emphasise that we run a very tight ship here at Uttlesford. We are one of the, the, the lowest cost council in Essex. And, and, and I would urge you to, to emphasise the point that we are actually only 9% of people's council tax. Thank you. More questions? Councillor Redfern, then Councillor Lees. Um, sorry, Chairman, mine isn't a question. I just wanted to um, pass comment on the housing revenue account because I felt that it was skipped over neatly and, and, a, and a lot of work goes into that by officers. But I just wanted to give a very um, quick update on a few things. There was mention of... Um, some slippage we have on different sites, which is Hatherley and uh, Reynolds Court. Um, they're all going along really nicely now, and the first phase of Hatherley should be um, completed in April and the second phase by December. Reynolds Court, the first phase, as the members for Newport know, um, was completed in July last year, and the final phase hopefully will be up by October this year. Um, and there was one other, I feel... Um, needs a mention um, and that is Sheds Lane and as lots of you know there is um, a particular local family who have um, a child with very special needs and I'm really pleased to say that that should be completed in June so they will be um, able to uh, take possession of their new home um, which is really exciting for all of us I think um, but that so in the papers it says we were talking Councillor Howell mentioned that we're building council houses and there are actually um, six projects on the go this year. So we've got Reynolds Court, Hathley Court, Sheds Lane and then we've got three new ones that are due to start which is Newton Grove in Great Dunmo, Frambury Lane in Newport and the Moors in Little Dunmo. So I just wanted it noted that actually there's a lot of work going on in delivering housing. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Lees. Sorry, everyone else talking about 15 million. I want to talk about bins. 
And the, the reason I want to talk about bins is you talk about recycling and refuse is really important, and we've all seen an increase in fly tipping. Now, I've looked at the forecast for the next five years, and nothing has changed for, for bin collection. It's, it's the same amount for the next five years. And we've got an increase in housing coming, that's the first thing. And also, um, I'm aware, I've been told by our waste Ms. Chapman, that in new building areas in, in a village, that no new bins for collection can be put in and won't be, won't be collected by Usford. It's down to the parish, the, the one bin. Um, so I think that it's a small thing, isn't it? But bin collection is really important, and it's really, I've, I'm concerned that the forecast for five years, the money doesn't change, and the, and the budget hasn't changed from 2000. And 17, we all understand bins. If we're not collecting the bins well, that's a small thing that can lead to a big thing. Well, uh, Councillor Lees, um, I'm... Yes, close the proof. Uh, what I would say is that, that, the, um, that we are adjusting within our budget over the five years for the increase in the housing. Uh, the medium-term financial strategy um, takes account of the growth of housing. I'm, I probably have to go through the detail of this to sit down and prove it to you, but I, I'd ask, ask you to sit down with Adrian Webb if, or, 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 or Mrs Knight if that would be helpful. But the medium-term financial strategy does reflect that. I, I'm unclear of the point about bins not being collected, and uh, the suggestion is that parish councils are being required to do that. That's certainly not something that, that I'm aware of, as far as I, I'm concerned. Sorry, it's, it's litter bins they are, not, not um, house bins. You know a brand new litter okay. bin? Fine. So, I, if you need one new litter bin in a new I, estate? I, 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 certainly my own experience is that you need to engage with the um, officers and ensure that the bins are located in the place where they can go by and pick it up. I will refer to Councillor Barker for this, but my own experience um, is that, that, that they are accommodated. I'd, I'd, I'd urge you, if you have a problem on a, on a particular instance in, one of your, in your ward, to take it up directly with officers. Uh, it's not really something that I can address. Councillor um, Parker may be able to assist as well. Uh, and Mr Webb has pointed out to me, well, I think I've already said, that in year five, um, there's a large growth number included uh, to include an expected new round. So there is an adjustment within it. I mean, clearly the budget has a flex within it. Thank you. Thank you. If there are no other questions, we will proceed to the vote. Uh, just before we do... Yes, of course, yes. Uh, before I do so, I just say thank you to Councillor Howell for he's always very articulate, as my son mentioned to me when, when he came here. And uh, I've, like Councillor Dean, I'm very pleased that we've got money in the budget for a PCSO, I should declare an interest that Stansted Parish, together with Hen and Elsdom, uh, have made an uh, expression of interest, and also pleased that we've retained for members the new homes bonus for £2,000. And I represent this council on other suffered community travel, so members who have surplus funds left over this year, perhaps you would consider UCT, which in my view, my view does very good work uh, for the area and a lot of people who wouldn't get to places like day centres and others uh, would find it very difficult without UCT. So we are going to take a vote on items 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 and 16. So those in favour of those items please show.
think that's is that unanimous. Yes, it's unanimous. Thank you. Right, so we are now, as we've mentioned before, item 15 is a recorded vote, and I think the officers have come prepared for that. So um, the item, the recommendation is before you. Mr Pugh, I think, is going to do the honours and uh, be reading out the names. So, yes, we are... Council recommended to approve the Council Tax Resolution as detailed in Appendix G, General Fund Council Tax Requirement of 5.3330 million, uh, the Schedule of Fees and Charges in Appendix F. Over to you, Mr Pugh. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I'm going to ask uh, members if they're, going, if they're voting for, against or abstaining on, on Item 15. Uh, Councillor Andrum has sent her apologies. Uh, Councillor Artis. Councillor Asker? Councillor G. Barker? Councillor S. Barker? Councillor Chambers? Councillor Davey? Councillor Davies? Councillor Dean? Councillor Fairhurst? Councillor Farley? Councillor Felton? Councillor Foley? Councillor Jay Freeman has sent his apologies. Councillor R. Freeman? Four. Councillor Gerard? Four. Councillor Goddard has sent apologies. It's not here. Councillor Gordon? Four. Councillor Hargreaves? Four. Councillor Harris? Four. Councillor Hicks? Four. Councillor Howell? Four. Councillor Jones? Four. Councillor Knight has left. Councillor LeCount? Councillor Lees? Councillor Levin has sent apologies. Councillor Light? Against. Councillor Lodge? Councillor Lachlan? Councillor Mills? Councillor Morris? Councillor Oliver? Councillor Ranger? Councillor Redfern? Councillor Rolfe? Four. Councillor Riles? Four. Councillor Sell? Four. Councillor Wells? Four. Okay. Well, that's uh, clearly carried with one vote against, I think. Thank you. So. Thank you, Mr. Pugh. Right. We will move on to agenda item 17, which is the procurement strategy. 2018-19 covering report and it's Councillor Howe to re- resent. Thank you, Chairman. Councillors, um, I-, I hope you've read the paper. It came to Cabinet uh, on the 15th of February and there was a d- discussion and debate around it. Um, I'd like to thank um, Mrs. Oakey and, and Ms. Knight for their preparation of this paper. Our procurement strategy is a council decision and therefore the, uh, the recommendation is that council is recommended to approve the procurement strategy 2018-19 as attached. to Councillor Chambers. Do you wish to speak to Councillor Chambers? Any questions to Councillor Howe on this item? In which case it's been proposed and seconded. Those in favour, please show. I think that's unanimous. Thank you. We move to item 18, 
which is the Business Rate Relief Policy Amendments 2017 and 18, and it's Councillor Howe. Thank you, Chairman. Councillors, um, this is by way of an amendment to a paper that came to Council on the 25th of July for approval of the um, spring budget reliefs, which included pub, pub relief and also revaluation relief. Um, the current policy requires that public relief is rewarded before the revaluation reliefs, which unfortunately has meant that some local pubs have not been awarded the maximum amount of relief available. And the current policy also requires businesses to apply for their revaluation relief. Um, and so, however, unfortunately, despite notifying all eligible businesses, the take-up is currently below 30%. So this is by way of a technical adjustment to improve the policy to ensure that we maximise the benefit to our local businesses and they get the maximum reliefs available to them. So the, the recommendation is that Council is recommended to approve the following amendments to the criteria of the business rates relief schemes that the revaluation relief scheme is awarded automatically to qualifying businesses by withdrawing the application process and b that the pub relief is re awarded after all other reliefs have been applied. I so recommend. Thank you, Councillor. Any questions at all? And a seconder for that. Uh, Councillor Riles, thank you. So it has been proposed and seconded. Those in favour of the recommendations, please show. I think that's unanimous. Thank you very much. Um, in which case, we move on to item 19, pay policy. Councillor Howe. Uh, thank you. This is an extremely important um, paper, not least because of uh, the discussions we've had earlier today. Um, it's a requirement under the Localism Act 2011 for authorities to publish a pay policy and to review it annually. And the policy sets out the pay and remuneration schemes in place and sets out the criteria for the forthcoming year. There's also a new requirement under the Equalities Act 2010, Specific Duties and Authorities Regulation 2017, which requires the Council to publish gender pay gap information. And this information is included as a new section of the pay policy. I've read it uh, with a great deal of interest. I'm sure you have as well. Uh, the recommendation is the Council is recommended to approve the pay policy as set out in Appendix A. I so move. So have this, it has been seconded, is not it? No, not yet. No, no seconded. Uh, Councillor Oliver, thank you. Uh, any comments by members? No, it been being proposed and seconded. Those in favour, please show. Those against, please show. Abstentions? Uh, one, thank you. Right, moving on to item 20. I know this will be a disappointment to some of you, but it's not, uh, it, it's not Councillor Howe. Councillor Rolfe will be proposing the appointment of a substitute Conservative member of the Planning Committee. I so propose Councillor Farthing. Seconded. Yes, Councillor Mills, thank you. Those in favour, please show. Right, those any against? No, abstentions? Yeah. Um, right, move on. Appointment 21. Uh, we're back to Councillor Howe. Appointment of Monitoring Officer. Thank you, Chairman, Councillors. Um, I'm very, I very much welcome the opportunity uh, to present this paper. Um, 
the report proposes the continuation of the appointment of Mr Simon Pugh as the Council's monitoring officer um, following his appointment uh, to the permanent position of Assistant Director of Governance and Legal. It seems that Mr Pugh has been with us for a very, very long time and is a very welcome um, member of the team. Um, But I'm delighted to see that he's been permanently appointed. Um, He knows us well. He knows our foibles, and I'm delighted he, after a very vigorous um, selection process, I understand, um, he decided to join us. But anyway, I'm I'm delighted to make the recommendation that the Council continues the appointment of Mr Simon Pugh as monitoring officer and continues the delegation of power to grant dispensations under Section 33, Local Government Act 2011, to district, parish and town councillors who have disclosable pecuniary interests and to speak for and or vote on issues relating to such interests and to grant dispensations under the Code of Conduct to district, parish and town councillors with other pecuniary interests to speak and or vote on issues relating to such interests. I so move. I'm delighted to uh, second that motion and having worked with Mr Pugh on various different things, I'm delighted that it's being made permanent at long last. All right, thank you. Any comments at all by members? It has been proposed. Sorry, my Royal Highness Vision over there, yeah. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that. Um, Dangerous territory. So, proposed and seconded. Those in favour, please show. All right. That's unanimous. Thank you very much. which is the committee timetable I will propose adoption of the timetable of meetings for 2018-19 is there a second for that please Councillor Dean any comments I think Democratic Services have asked people to make comments which I don't think you've received have you anything so those in favour of that item please show I think that is unanimous. Thank you very much. Item 23, election of the Chairman and Vice-Chairman, Councillor Oliver, as Chairman of the Governance Audit Performance Committee, is going to propose the recommendation in the report. Councillor Oliver. Thank you, Chairman. I move the recommendation that the Council that adopts the changes to Article 5 of of the Council's Constitution set out in the appendix to this report to provide for the nominations for the post of Chairman and Vice-Chairman to be made at the annual meeting. We have at the moment we have a two-stage election of the Chairman and the Vice-Chairman. That's fine for three years out of four. But in the fourth year, immediately before the re-election of the Council, it does mean that the nominations are made by people who will not or be people involved who will not be there at the meeting and then the, some of the new people coming in will have a chairman as it were given to them so this one just eases out that problem thank you second Gaz Hargreaves do you to speak to it just very briefly when I first joined the council um, former councillor Joe Parry explained this arrangement to me and I thought this is a pretty rum operation I'm joining. And I'm very glad that it's now being sorted out, so I, I support this very strong. Any other comments? So it has been proposed 
and seconded. Councillor Hargreaves, you seconded, I think. Yes, so those in favour, please show. I think that's unanimous. Thank you very much. Item 24, motion, and I'll invite Councillor Light to propose the motion on the agenda paper. Okay. Thank, you, thank you, Chair. Right at the end of a long evening. Um, the easiest thing, of course, is that everybody agrees and votes in favour, then we can be done very quickly. So the motion, Mr Chairman, councillors, I will just read out the motion for the residents who are not present but may well be listening. This council agrees to establish a committee dedicated to positively promoting equality and to ensuring that all council actions and policies not only comply with current legislation but actively foster inclusivity. That's the motion. Councillors, firstly I'd like to thank the Chair for agreeing to the request that I emailed yesterday and opening the floor tonight to all residents who registered to speak, demonstrating how important equality and inclusivity actually are. But councillors, equality and inclusivity should not be exceptional. They should be deeply embedded in all the work the council does and we need a committee that will positively promote equality and foster inclusivity. A committee which looks to the future and will help us change the future. A committee which makes sure that the council fully includes all its wide diversity of residents when making policies and decisions. Decisions and policies that affect me, that affect you. Affect, they may affect women disproportionately. And the policies and decisions that affect residents of all ages, all genders, all ethnicities. Policies that affect the disabled and policies that affect those who are socially excluded, those who are poor and those who live in isolation. Of course UDC complies with the Equality Act, and yes, there is an equality scheme and an equality impact assessment tool. But Mr Chair and Councillors, this is insufficient. An Equalities Committee will lead UDC to go beyond mere compliance to genuine equality. And as you've heard earlier tonight, society expects that. Our residents expect that. We want a council and a constitution. We want policies and practices that are fully equitable and meet residents' expectation of equality, of fairness and of inclusivity for all. We need to take decisive action and drive the change that we all want to see. And to achieve this, we need a high-level committee. Mere compliance with the law is not enough. A working group to consider equality is not enough. Mere scrutiny and sending in a report on equality to an existing committee such as GAP would certainly not be enough. In fact, existing committees are unable to deal with equality issues, leading to executive actions that can only be described as knee-jerk. Some may say that we can't afford a new committee. I disagree. It only needs to meet bi-monthly or quarterly. And when it comes to funding priorities, are we really saying that equality is of such little value? So we need a new equality committee that will work at the highest level of the council, that will champion and drive equality throughout the work of the council and reach out to the wide community that it serves. And the new equality committee itself will be fully equitable. It will have a balanced membership of cross-party councillors and of independent representatives from the community. Mr Chair, councillors, we know that residents support this mo motion 
and, we are, and are asking us to pioneer equality, as we heard earlier. Now we ask you to vote in support of this motion to establish a new equality committee. Thank you. Thank you. Does the motion have a seconder? Councillor Morris, do you wish to speak to it? No, thank you, Chair. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Barker. Uh, Chairman, I have an amendment to propose. I believe Mr Webb has copies to circulate people. Chairman, yes. um, Barker, would you like to read the amendment? Yes, the please. proposed amendment deletes the words agrees to establish a committee dedicated and replaces them with continues to be committed and it also adds to the bottom of the agenda that this council calls on the cabinet member etc. So the whole amended motion reads this council continues to be committed to positively promoting equality and to ensuring that all council actions and policies not only comply with current legislation, but actively foster inclusivity. This council calls on the Cabinet Member for Equality to bring a report on this important issue back to full council following the internal audit of equalities and diversity later this year, and then to consider how this important issue is monitored. Chairman, this item is bigger than just equality. It's bigger than just a committee. This council, everything we do, equality and diversity, is embedded in this. But not just a committee, not just three or four or five people, all of council, all of council, every single one of us is responsible for this. And that was shown very much by the motion we had earlier today, that everyone is very concerned about how we stand, how we treat people of all different sorts. And we shouldn't just send this to a committee and sort of meet behind closed doors and have whatever. We should have open discussions about it. It's very late tonight, Chairman. I would like to suggest that we move reasonably swiftly towards this motion, that the review of equality and diversity that was due to be done in the 1718 financial year, but might just slip into whatever, is then considered by whichever committee is appropriate, whether it's GAP or um, scrutiny, and it then comes back with their considered opinion on how we should take the matter forward. Not just a, let's set up a committee. We don't need committee after committee. We need people who are interested in the subject, and we need occasionally, just as Barbara said, you know, the whole council needs to be involved in this. It is very important, and 
I'm very sorry, but half past ten tonight is not the time to start debating this very important motion. It's the time to find a structured, a structured way forward to look at this in depth to make sure that since Sue Locke left the council, that the equality bit is there and the diversity bit is there. So, Chairman, you have my proposal. Um, I don't need to say any more. I'm sure there will be whatever, but to me, setting up another committee just to look at something is not the way forward. No, thank you, Councillor Barker. Can point, I point of order, please? Councillor Hargreaves. Um, section 12.61 of the Red Book, Section 4, says um, you can make an amendment to insert or add words as long as the effect of the amendment is not to negate the motion. The original motion says this Council agrees to establish a committee. It agrees to establish a committee. The amendment is I not from to Mr. Pugh. Um, yes, I can advise on that. Negating the motion is it's basically it's inserting the word not. And the point about the rule against negating the motion is you could achieve the same thing by voting against it. Now, the amendment uh, relates to the motion. Amendments can't be irrelevant or random to the motion. This relates to the motion. It is a valid amendment. It is not negating the motion because it is proposing, proposing a different course towards the objectives set out. And so it does not fall foul of the standing order. Thank you. Thank you. That's clear. Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman, I must take exception to that. This is an establishing motion. My learned friend will understand that an, an, a motion which primary objective is to establish something is a creative or empowering process. At the, the effect of our motion is to create something which is not here already. The effect of the amendment, in fact, is to continue with the existing process. If you can't say there's a negation, I think you need to do some more reading. Thank you. The, 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 the Vice Mayor officer, legal officer is clear and that's why we have him there. Is the amendment seconded? Councillor Rolfe is seconded. We are now debating the amendment which if carried becomes the substantive motion. If not, then we go back to the original motion. So we are commenting. Councillor Ranger, do you wish to comment? Yes, thank you, Chairman. I'll be brief. Um, all decisions taken by that affect, sorry, all decisions that are taken that affect anybody of any disability, race, creed or colour is taken as a council decision or a cabinet committee decision and any hint of inequality people have the ability to refer that to, via the legal officer to the, the standards committee um, and that's been made apparent tonight. That's the, the vehicle for which matters of that sort should be taken. We don't need another committee specifically to cover that. Thank you. It seems to me that this amendment does not negate the proposal. It just simply says let's consider what to do that might be better in a deliberative way by first of all starting off with this audit that's taking place and then uh, address the matter at a, at a slightly later stage, a bit, a bit like the one we had on let's set up a, um, uh, a youth council. We didn't jump straight in. We did a bit of work before, before deciding how to deal with it. Um, it may well be we end up with, I, mean, I was just looking on the, purely randomly looking on the web and I see that Manchester Council, and I know we're not quite as big as Manchester, but they've got They've got a Communities and Equalities Scrutiny Committee. Now, I'm not trying to build my, a scrutiny <laughs> empire or anything like that, uh, but it might well be that there is a role for scrutiny in, in this matter, but let's, let's, let's decide that later on. I, I, 
I, I prefer, I pref personally prefer the second paragraph to say this council calls on the cabinet member for equality to bring a report on this important matter. Issue sounds as though it's something bad, potentially. Back to full council following the audit, internal yeah, audit, equality, diversity. And then to consider how, the, how this important, and that's the point, how this important requirement, I would say, uh, is monitored and, and carried out. So in other words, yeah, let's do something, but let's not jump in and create a bit of bureaucracy. It might prove to be the wrong type of bureaucracy or system to deal with it. So it's not... I, 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 I'm just suggesting some better wording which Councillor Barker may be able to accept. Um, it's been accepted that word matter replaces the word issue. And, uh, and requirements on the last line. Sorry. And requirements. On the last line. Oh, oh right, I see. Yes. Right. Councillor Asker was next, then Councillor Jones, and then Councillor Hicks. Uh, thank you, Chairman. Um, I don't know if I'm actually speaking at the right point in time, but I'm hugely disappointed, quite frankly, um, that the Council was given an opportunity uh, earlier on this evening when uh, my colleague, uh, Councillor Lodge, suggested or, or offered that perhaps this item be brought forward um, earlier in the evening when the, uh, the public were here. Uh, on the basis that it very much, we had such an emotive audience here this evening that I think that the public would have highly respected this being brought uh, much earlier on in the agenda. Um, I can't support the um, amendment uh, because I think that the, uh, the public that I represent would be hugely disappointed and would expect to, um, after this evening's debacle, uh, to have been listened to more uh, inclusively, perhaps. Your remarks, Councillor Asker, but the budget is probably the most important thing this council does. Um, so we go on to Councillor Jones, I think it was. Thank you, Chairman, members. Um, I did have a, uh, an opportunity to think about the original motion earlier in the week uh, when uh, um, there was also an opportunity to look at amending it, uh, I would have hoped that we might engage not our own audit committee to uh, conduct the review or our own audit staff, and that's nothing to do with whether I've got faith in them or not. They do a damn good job with what they do, but I think it would give a signal and greater confidence to what we're doing if we were able to engage an external body to do it uh, and to check that the standards which the outside world expects in hand inequalities, etc., um, are being met rather than what might be uh, a situation of embedded within the public sector and the way the public sector does its checks. Et um, so I would have hoped for that. I recognise there would be a, um, a budgetary impact uh, by introducing that, but I do consider that my suggestion would have merit. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Jim. Um, being on the uh, council for some years, quite a number of years now it seems to me, can't count them exactly, but um, during that time um, I've experienced the way in which the council has been run by the officers under the 
control of the administration and to, and to my mind um, the question of equalities have been handled in every respect in whichever department of this council it's been uh, to me it seems to have been dealt with very effectively and very even handedly and, and I can see no benefit whatsoever in appointing another committee uh, just to uh, presumably um, go around trying to find gaps for, um, in which they can take an interest in, in, in the way in which the council operates. Um, uh, I do seem to remember that this council not so very long ago took a, um, a vote on moving from committee type governance to cabinet type governments and the whole object of the exercise was to reduce the number of committees largely because of their cost and there is a cost what is a substantial one and it seems to me there is no case at all for setting up another committee with the consequent cost in this instance and so I should support the amendment Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, it's, it's a great shame that the, the, the public have, uh, have left us. As, uh, as you know, I uh, wish them to be here for this, and I think they would have wanted to uh, see it. Sorry, we do have one member. Sorry, the, the, it's a shame the other 69 uh, have, uh, have gone home, because I think their, would have, their view would have been that we've seen a, they would have seen a rather shabby performance now. I think, firstly, by, uh, by not allowing them to, uh, to listen to this debate, then I think if we look at the, um, um, the, the, the legal opinion, I think there's, a, there's a strong legal opinion to, to say that they would say the monitoring office is wrong because we have here a motion which says let's set up a committee. The amendment says let's not set up a committee. So the, the, the lay people out there, along with a very learned barrister there, would come to the same decision. So I think, I think it's, it's, uh, they, would, they would see the performance as, uh, as shabby and uh, I, I would very, very much oppose the, uh, the appointment, the amendment. Thank you, Councillor Lachlan and Councillor Foley. Thank you. Well, I will be supporting the amendment. Um, if I didn't think, I've been here since the year 2000. Sorry if you don't like it, tough. Uh, and if I thought in any way that I or anybody else was being treated unequally, whether it was colour, creed, sex or whatever, I would be the first one to complain. But I have not. And we, if you look, we have a female chief executive and that's the second female chief executive that I have known. Councillor Lodge, you have said that half of your members are female. That's very good. Unfortunately, there's fewer of us, but I don't consider myself to be any less equal than any other member of my group or any other member of this council. To have another committee, or, and I'm sorry, Derek, but an independent member would cost the public money. And also, I don't know if the public are listening to me now, I don't know what the population of Uckersford is, but the amount of people that were here tonight, there wouldn't be very many listening so the fact that they left they have the facility of having this recorded meeting when they can listen to it at their leisure if they, they wouldn't be allowed to speak they may have shouted out I don't know but um, I think that is sufficient and that's all I have to say
Mr Foley. Excuse me for not standing up again. Um, I actually will support the original motion because I think it gives a, a, a stronger commitment uh, to the direction of travel. After what we've seen today, after what we've witnessed tonight, I think it's duty bound on the Council to actually uh, put something maybe a little bit firmer out there, to be perfectly honest. And that's maybe, in a, maybe a little amendment to the words up there, but the, the, the overall uh, original motion, I think, actually satisfies what I think is needed here. Yeah. Thank you, Chair. Could I just look at um, a practicality here? I heard Councillor Barker saying that this report would go to either GAP or scrutiny. I can't speak for scrutiny, but I'm a member of GAP. Uh, we have it, please, Mr. Chairman, as governance or performance. We covered the audit plan, benefit subsidy audit, health and safety update, the internal audit progress reports of which there were 36. We covered the general data protection regulation compliance progress report. We've had mention of that earlier on this evening. The internal audit on counter fraud and corruption work. The election of chairman and vice chairman, the one we've agreed this evening. Uh, procedure for removing amendments at council meetings, which had been, that didn't find favour. We'll have to come back to that one. Um, we then looked at the quarter three performance indicators of which there were 28. Uh, we looked at the corporate risk register and the annual report which I see actually as a, as a fault in the minutes. We need to correct that. That was just one meeting. GAP, I'm sure Councillor Oliver will agree, it, it functions very well. Uh, but I think just to add another report to it to be added to the dozens and dozens and dozens that we get all the time it's not going to do the job. Uh, it, it needs to be something more than that. It needs to be somebody else looking at this who's got the time to think about it, not us who, who, who we do our best to do our homework before we come to the meetings. The officers are very good uh, and we have a duty to then support them and not stick more things into that, that meeting. So I think bringing uh, another report to GAP uh, is really a very, very, very weak answer to this. The request was for a committee. Uh, I think that's what we should go for. The report, Councillor Hargreaves, is. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Councillor Barker, I'm reading it to full council. Yeah. yeah. Um, Councillor Fairhurst. I think Councillor Foley sort of hit it on the head. It is not, we're not winning anything or losing anything by the process. We have an opportunity tonight to make a change. It's not business as usual. Should we wait for another incident and have another argument? Here we have an opportunity to do something special. We have for four years and we have a chance to make our council better than the others. Demonstrate actively that we are doing something different. It's not business as usual. We are not continuing to be brilliant. I don't think we are brilliant, to be quite honest. I'm not brilliant. I'm fallible. We have committees for planning, which obviously is very important, and we have people for licensing and scrutiny, all these great things, because you think they're important. And the signal we're sending to ourselves, which is more important than out there, is we take it seriously. And we've sat here today and we saw how seriously people took it. So if we can do something special, believe in ourselves and go to sleep tonight and say we've done something special, or we can carry on as business as usual. 
Come on, guys. So we'll have another report. We'll process it like this. And we'll all tick it off and put our hands up and say, great. That's the process. Or we can rise to the occasion and do something special. I'm appealing to you not as party individuals. You're not winning anything by this. We can be a council in the press, and you can take all the credit for it, Mr. Leader, that we've done something special. We can create a committee specifically designed for the purpose. We've recognised that times have changed. It's a hundred years since we started the process. No, we won't do that. We'll just sign it off. We'll pass it and tick the box and move on to the next thing. It's late at night tonight, and that's why I'm a bit irate by this. But come on, chaps. You either grasp a nettle and do something worthwhile, or let's just move on. Your call. Okay, so I'm um, seconding the motion, so I sense that I'm probably summing it up. Uh, let's be crystal clear. This is not about the principle, it's about the process. So we all completely agree about the importance of equality and diversity without repeating the references back to uh, the, uh, earlier in the evening. So it is fortuitous uh, that uh, the internal audit are studying this subject as part of their plan. As uh, Councillor Parker said, it's due to be finished in quarter four, 17-18. It will slip in because of GTRP, whatever that group is, uh, the work on that into quarter one, 18-19. Uh, but nevertheless, it's coming up very shortly. And uh, I absolutely support uh, Councillor Jones's point that that study needs to be enriched to look at external example uh, so that when it when the report comes back, it is a definitive statement of what is appropriate to administer uh, the finest quality, uh, quality of e equality and diversity. And uh, so we're not uh, dodging the subject and we might well be setting on a unique path uh, a a a a and creating a new pattern. But I won't use the word knee-jerk, but... You know, just setting up a committee, we don't know the terms of the reference, we don't know how it's going to operate. So, so I fully support what Councillor Dean said. We, we, we need to carefully consider how we're going to approach this very important subject and get it right. That's all the amendment is saying. So I strongly suggest that you support the amendment, but we're not, we're not opposing the principle of taking equality and diversity very seriously and making sure that it's embedded. We take note of your point, Councillor Hargreaves, about the workload on GAP. Um, that may be a relevant point, uh, but uh, nevertheless, I'm not convinced that a, um, a, a semi-scrutiny committee would necessarily do uh, a better job. But that's to be determined, isn't it? That's the whole point of studying the issue. So I, rec I, 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 I second the motion. Thank you. The amendment. The amendment, sorry. Yeah. We, we are discussing the amendment. Councillor did you want to discuss the amendment? Yes, thank you. Um, I'd like to comment on it, actually, because there is a huge difference between what is being proposed, which uh, has, obviously has merit to conduct an audit, but that's an audit. There is a difference to conducting an audit, seeing what, what is happening and uh, looking at the, the tick box exercises. There's one tonight, actually, that talked about how does the budget affect minorities. And when I actually looked in that impact assessment, there was nothing that indicated how the budget might affect minorities. So that's just an example. So conducting an audit only has value to a certain degree. Creating a committee would drive the agenda, would drive it forward, would look outwards, would look forwards, and it is completely different. So I, would, I actually will vote against the amendment. Thank you. I just ask myself, uh, well, perhaps other members as well, can I ask Councillor Barker and perhaps Councillor Rolfe, 
if the amendment were to be passed and there were to be an audit, do you rule out entirely in your own minds ever establishing an equalities committee? Um, Chairman, I have no problems with, with whatever comes out of the review. We have an internal audit. It is equality and diversity. I think whatever entity, if there is an entity established, it ought to include diversity as well. Yes, yes. Um, that's one issue. But no, that's why I think Councillor Dean would quite happily take on a review of the internal and possibly an external audit at scrutiny and bring a report back to this full council to debate slightly earlier one evening um, yes. you know, so that we can decide the best way forward. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is, and it's not for me to decide. I may be the equalities champion, but I'd rather there were ten people sitting in a room. So nothing is ruled in and nothing yeah, is ruled out. I think enough has been said. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. Uh, yes. Sorry, Mr. Chairman. Councillor Gerard. Um, in light of the... Sorry. In light of the um, amendments to the proposal, I just wondered if we could actually possibly on the last line of the amendment where it says and then to consider how this important requirement is monitored why don't we just say and then to consider the establishment of a committee the proposer of the amendment is saying no so we will go to the vote we are voting on can the can I have a recorded vote please Mr Chairman yes you can uh, Mr Pugh has come prepared um, so we are voting on the amendment. Just for the, I know it's time is late. Can you just read out again, Councillor Barker, what the amendment? Because it has changed a little bit. A couple of words. Um, this council continues to be committed to positively promoting equality and to ensuring that all council actions and policies not only comply with current legislation but actively foster inclusivity. This Council calls on the Cabinet Member for Equality to bring a report on this important matter back to full Council following the internal audit of equalities and diversity later this year and then to consider how this important requirement is monitored. I too am not totally happy with this last bit where it says important issue or, or important matter is, is monitored. Well, I, all right, okay, but how it is monitored, I would much prefer it to say something about if something comes out, what action will we take? You, at this point, we need to stick with what we've got. Right, thank you. It has been proposed the amendment and seconded. Mr Pugh has got uh, had a request for a recorded vote. Okay, uh, Councillor Artis. Yes. Councillor Asker. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. This is the amendment, yes. <laughs> Councillor G. Barker. Four. Councillor S. Barker. Four. Councillor Chambers. Four. Councillor Davy has, uh, has gone, I think. No, Sorry, you are here. You are. Sorry, I was missing forms. Four. Okay, Councillor Davis. He's Sorry, Councillor Davis has gone. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Councillor Dean? Four. Councillor Fairhurst? Yes. Councillor Farthing? Four. Councillor Felton? Four. Councillor Foley? Okay. Councillor Freeman? Yes. 
Councillor Gerrard. Yes. Councillor Goddard isn't here. Councillor Gordon. Four. Councillor Hargreaves. Yes. Councillor Harris. Four. Councillor Hicks. Four. Councillor Howell. Four. Councillor Jones. Four. Councillor Knight is not here. Councillor Count. Yes. Councillor Lees. Councillor Light. Definitely against. Two ticks. Councillor Lodge. Yes. Councillor Lachlan. Definitely four. Councillor Mills. Four. Councillor Morris. Against. Councillor Oliver. Four. Councillor Ranger. Four. Councillor Redfern. Councillor Law. Four. Councillor Riles. Councillor Sell. Councillor Wells. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Twelve. Sorry, what was it, Mr. Pugh? 21, 4, 12 against. So 21, 4, 12 against. So the amendment is carried, it becomes the substantive motion. And we now, if we wish to, uh, bearing the, the hour, we can debate that or we can go to the vote because the substantive motion has been obviously proposed and seconded. So if it's your wish, we will go to the vote. So we're now voting on the substantive motion as unamended. Um, is it we can go to the vote there's not a request for a recorded vote so Councillor Fairhurst sorry yeah. I'm sorry to come back Mr Chair but it is quite important this is substantive now that it was the amendment I will not be participating in this process this is not how we should do things we will go to the vote those in favour of the motion as proposed, please show. Thank you. Uh, that, Mr. Pugh? No, no, no. Twenty-one for the motion. Those against, please show. Right, so the motion is clearly carried. Um, uh, abstentions, uh, uh, two, is that right? Two, thank you. No urgent, or three, no urgent business, Julie. <laughs> so thank you for your attendance at a long meeting. Thank you. Well,